a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no And welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michelle Egan. And I'm Brian Kuyper, your other co-host. And I'm just going to throw it back to Brian for this uh, episode intro oh. because he has something well, special you know. planned, apparently. Yeah, well, I got it. I just... I'll, I, I... Okay, this is going to be lame now, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll try it. So, well... Do it, do it, do it, Well, do it, do it. it's uh, time to check into a sleazy motel and grab your enchiladas because... <laughs> We're talking about a couple of underrated, perhaps <laughs> overhated, to steal a phrase, yeah. uh, uh-huh. s- horror sequels uh, that we've decided on for today. Uh, w- just randomly, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to yeah, when we placed no this episode. Yeah. I mean, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. I hope you had a nice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> those of you in the U.S. at least, I hope you had a nice, uh, you know, day on that day thanksgiving day. thanksgiving <laughs> yeah yeah i think we just thought this one would be kind of a fun end of the year thing because we went a little bit more on the news maybe kind of serious last year for you know christmasy time and eh, let's just have fun with some horror stuff yep. <laughs> for this year seems to be like the kind of mood we're both in. i guess recently, so well so part of this is perfect part of what's great about this is we're actually recording this uh, two days before Halloween, so we got yeah, to watch. So. <laughs> so we're talking about horror just in the right in the spooky season time for us. It's just kind of perfect. Um, so the overhated sequels that, and I know I'm stealing that term from Scott Weinberg's show, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great. <laughs> that's a great title, isn't it? That's a great title yeah. for a podcast. Overhated. Um, so I've chosen from 1986 the directorial debut of one anthony perkins uh that's right psycho three much maligned very hated very misunderstood possibly yeah yeah and the one i have chosen is what i think is people are kind of coming around to now or they're kind of learning that's a little bit more fun than they probably thought but yeah it was definitely hated (laughs) when it was first coming out uh, from 1985, I have chosen Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. Yes. Now, <laughs> I really like both these movies, I gotta say. Um, I think they're fun. I've actually written about both of them, which is mm-hmm. even more fun. Uh, this uh, Friday the 13th, 5 was actually one of my first articles for Bloody Disgusting. I, I, really? I wrote a piece that was, um, I called it Fridays Without Jason. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is <laughs> which was a, supposed to be sort of a riff on the idea of Tuesdays with Maury, but I don't think anyone understood right. that as a, <laughs> I what, didn't get it until you just you said know, it. Okay. okay, got it. <laughs> uh, so it was uh, about the first Friday the 13th and then Friday 5. I know obviously Jason right. appears in both movies, but he's not the main killer in either one. That was the point. Yeah. I actually had people said uh, who comment who commented and said uh J- Jason's in Friday the 13th. It's like, "Yes, I know." Yes. It's like, not the come killer, on. Though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that. We're actually going to start by screaming yeah. over a black screen, "There is no god." <laughs> That's going to be the start of our episode as we talk about Psycho 3. I mean, what a way to start your movie. I know, right? <laughs> and then you rip That's kind of what I was thinking. And then you rip off the ending scene of Vertigo. Like directly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um I love that opening though. I got to admit, she's sitting there, she screams there is no god, and then they show her like praying to a statue of the Virgin Mary. Then she's at the top of the bell tower, she's about to kill herself. This nun comes up. She like pushes her away and the nun falls to her death down the bell tower stairway which a question in movies why are bell tower stairways always so horribly maintained because they all have rotting wood <laughs> that leads <laughs> to do. major death i mean think of it you know because go batman psycho three because that's a really cool visual. It of is a cool falling visual. Falling all the way down the middle of those stairs. Yeah. But but yeah, it's sort of an inverse of of Vertigo, where she she falls off and <laughs> and the nun appears. <laughs> it's sort of like oh she uh. she is a nun, so she gets kicked out of the convent for killing a nun. <laughs> No, that's funny. It's just, it's it like, is yeah. kind of funny, though. But that's pretty much what happens. I, I mean, come on. This and then she's just walking. She just walks walking. away, like into the desert with a with a suitcase. This this convent in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Uh, this. Uh, I mean, come on. This is this is you know you're in for something kind of bonkers when that is how you start your movie. And then what's the first thing you do is you run into Jeff Fahey. So <laughs> another thing that tells you this is going to be a weird movie. So Psycho 3, one of the things that I find, I find some interesting things going on here. Obviously, Anthony Perkins was like, okay, I'll play Norman again because Anthony Perkins is such an interesting guy. Because, I mean, he was originally cast as all of these sort of they wanted to make him a leading man and and it wasn't really happening and so alfred hitchcock who really liked him as an actor casts him in psycho and he gets typecast Mm -hmm. you know that sort of becomes the thing he's known for and he's in so many good movies uh between psycho and and i didn't know about a lot of them to be honest until recently you know like pretty poison is so good. Uh, Play It As It Lays. Have you seen Play It As It Lays? Mm-mm. It's on YouTube if you can find it. He plays a director in that movie and incredible. So lots of really great stuff. But then, of course, nothing that really pops for him. He wrote Last of Sheila. So you have some what of those What is the things. one I'm thinking of? Hang on. I'm letterboxing. There's one I'm thinking of where I, I really liked him. In, uh... Well, there's... There's one he did after Psycho 3. If I hear the title, Crimes of Passion. Crimes of Passion. That was the Ken Russell movie. So um, mm-hmm. 
that movie is freaking wild. Yeah. Too. I think I think I'm pretty sure that was after Psycho Three. Uh, so he had kind of returned to the Norman Bates role after that. Uh, that was eighty four. Oh, so it was between the two. Okay, so between mm-hmm. Psycho two and three. Now, so he returns to do Psycho two, though reluctantly. And then Psycho two was. But it's a, a great movie. Yeah, Psycho two is a really good movie. And Richard Franklin, I think, is one of those directors. I just wish it had a longer career. He's so good. Uh, Road Games is amazing. If you haven't seen Road Games, you gotta see Road Games. The Keech, I, I, the Keech, and uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis is essentially yep. Rear Window on Wheels, and it is <laughs> it is dynamite. And so there was no better choice to follow up Hitchcock's Psycho than Richard Franklin, in my opinion. I, I think he was. I mean, if you can't get Brian De Palma, I guess. <laughs> Though I actually think that Richard Flank- Franklin probably is better suited for for Psycho 2 than De Palma would have been. Now, Psycho 3, Psycho 2 made money, uh, though it was sort of, because it followed up this ultimate classic, right? It's always going to get a little bit of that, oh, it's just not as good as the original. Well, nothing is as good Uh as the original. That's the thing. But that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, you know? Um, Psycho 2 is a really, really good movie. And uh, it made some money, and so... They're like, okay, we're going to make Psycho 3, Anthony. And he's like, I'm not going to do it unless you let me direct it. Okay, right? So um, that's how that works out. So Anthony Perkins uh, comes on board. Tom Holland's not really interested in writing a third film. So the screenwriter didn't really like the twists in Psycho 2 and proceeds to start writing (laughs) a script that changes everything back essentially <laughs> from psycho 2 um, which i think was the right way to go <laughs> yeah i actually don't love the mrs spool twist in psycho 2 that's my really my only nitpick i think i, I really love the whole lila loomis thing all that stuff mm. trying to check uh, get him crazy again you know set him yeah. off again so that they can send him back to the to the institution that all makes sense uh, but the mrs spool twist doesn't really make a lot of sense it feels tacked on it feels like we got to have some sort of twist ending uh where norman actually is dangerous so we can have yeah, our where he actually we actually kill somebody yeah. yeah we can have our our carrie-esque ending right everything had sure. to have a carrie-esque ending at that time and so we go into psycho three mrs spool yes is mother now but mother is still mother you know Mother is a is a construct of Norman's mind. I have I would always contend that I'd have I don't think Mrs. Bates and I th- I think Bates Motel does a good job of sort of exploring this idea. I don't think that Mrs. Bates was actually this shrill, horrible woman that Norman turned her into, which is why I think Psycho Four does a little bit of a disservice because it does make her that. Was yeah. she was she probably religious and maybe a bit puritanical, sexually repressive, all those things? Sure. But he just like conflated her. He a conflated little bit in his that, mind. I think. I think he conflates all that stuff to a point where the woman that is mother in Norman is so maniacal and so over the top. Because we know mother Mrs. Bates had an affair mm-hmm. with a man outside of marriage, right? She was a swinging chick. I don't know. Whatever. 
but was was it the hypocrisy of it? I don't know. Maybe she he did Norman just not like the guy and was like, I'm you're taking my mother away from me, so I'm gonna kill you both kind of yeah. thing. That's all interesting, you know, to explore. But honestly, I don't think Psycho Three tries to dig that far into Norman's psyche. <laughs> that doesn't make sense though, because even though the the body of mother in this one is Mrs. Spool, it's the same he uses the same voice. He uses the same her. voice, he uses the same clothes as he uses Mrs. the same yeah. same things that Mrs. Bates would say she yep. says like she doesn't, it doesn't like change her personality or anything no. you know and, and being her it's still just that representative mother figure that he can use as an excuse for what he's doing yeah uh, so the actress the voice that is the actress for Psycho 2 and 3 for Mrs. Bates for mother I should say not Mrs. Mm-hmm. Bates for mother well, actually also did uh, one of the voices for mother in the first film so that's kind of cool continuity. I don't know the name. I can't remember off the top of my head. But there were actual, actually multiple people who did the voice of Mother for Psycho, which I think oh, yeah. is really, really smart. Um, they even had Anthony Perkins record some of it and like mix it in a little bit to the soundtrack of that. Um, Stephen Robello's so book. have some of his voice. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Robello's book, um, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, is indispensable must read if you're interested in psycho i've never yeah i've never really thought about that about yeah. who who is the voice yeah <laughs> um, mother or how they did that yeah hopefully. but but it was this but so one of those people the one who the most prominent voice was brought back for psycho two and three which is cool. really cool and yeah um it's that great crone voice and when we get there we yeah. actually see it come out of Anthony Perkins' mouth. It's one of my favorite moments in the series. That is the creepiest shot. It's so creepy. It's so fucking creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, but anyway, kind of back to the movie as itself. You know, I think Jeff Fahey is kind of hilarious and terrible in this in the best best way possible. Uh, He's awful. (laughs) Yeah. I I wrote down um, Jeff Fahey as Dwayne Duke. uh, An automatic announcement that this movie is going to be sleazy with a capital mm-hmm. sleaze um yes, yes. <laughs> yeah and so it's like hey watch the guitar all that set up uh he <laughs> he, he tries to assault so maureen is the name of our of our protagonist the here yeah. the nun uh she, maureen i can't remember the last name uh and but her her initials are mc just like marion crane um yeah so yeah so he uh he's just a he's just a sleaze guy sleaze ball and he um and you know he tries to assault her she she just gets out of his car kind of gets kicked out of the car but also i think wants to get he out does of the that car a lot. yeah uh she he ends up she ends up in the rain um you could have been coming instead of going fuck uh, you <laughs> god yeah, this is one of these guys that feels so entitled to. Ugh, yep. It's disgusting. And, you know, he uses this line, you know, little angel tumbled off her cloud, which is also, I think, you know, trying yeah, to draw. Yeah, he kind of introduce. Yeah. He introduces uh, calling her an angel. It's another thing that, like, comes back at the end, which yeah. is kind of funny to me more than anything. I guess it's supposed to be symbolic, but to me, it was just kind of funny. Well, I think. Whole, you, were, you were right when you said that this was a little bit funnier than i remembered i remembered how sleazy it was but i, I could definitely see a, a lot more humor on this rewatch than i yeah. did the first time I, I saw this 
Yeah, and the humor in both of these is dark as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and Absolutely. I, I think uh, you know the whole idea of the little angel tumbling off her cloud is also supposed to compare her to Marion Crane from the first film because that's that's the whole point, right? She's you know, uh, Marion is in the in the white slip and, and half slip and and bra, and you know she goes and steals the money that all of a sudden she's wearing black, subtle stuff like that, right? um that that was that was a joke that i had you know hitchcock's always so subtle it's like no hitchcock is not always subtle yeah sometimes he is but but in but in that case he's definitely not uh it's actually i think i actually think hitchcock thought that was funny i'm sure that hitchcock thought that there was a lot more humor in psycho than most people saw and when you go back and you look at it at the original too there's a lot of humor in it that is really sly and really dark and I think this movie captures that better than Psycho 2 does. Psycho 2 takes it itself pretty seriously. This one knows that there's there's a there's a tongue in cheek element going it's on here. It's taking the piss out of itself pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I got and from it. Uh, my, a lot of uh, Norman's lines are just yeah. like <laughs> yeah. he's just kind of like having fun with himself. I think absolutely, absolutely, and. The part that reminded me how funny this was is the uh, the part at the beginning that Norman is feeding those birds and they 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 die because he's poisoned yeah. them, and yeah. for for his taxidermy and he cuts he this shows him like has one of them opened up it's been cleaned and everything like that and he's takes a spoon and the he's putting s- <laughs> sawdust inside of the of the bird and then he takes the same spoon without cleaning it. Dips it in a jar of peanut butter and spreads the peanut butter on the cracker and eats it. And I Gross, laughed. Norman? I Come laughed on. out loud, like big, boisterous <laughs> belly laugh at that moment. And that's when I wrote you and said, this movie is so <laughs> funny. I, I got that like when his first scene with uh, Duke, when Duke comes to the motel and asks for, because you know, he's got a help wanted sign up in the door. And so he gives him a, a job at the desk or whatever. And Duke is like, well, just so you know, like I'm only here to like make enough money and fix my car or, or whatever. So I won't be staying for long. And Norman says, no one ever does. No one ever does. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's having fun with itself. It's making Absolutely. fun of itself. And I, I really enjoyed that this time. There's also this moment that <laughs> Norman has the bag full of candy corn and he hands it to him. You want some of these? And he's just like holding them and he's like, he's looking at him. He's like, this guy must be a psychopath if he eats this stuff. It's candy corn. <laughs> okay. Candy corn okay. No, no offense. I actually, I actually kind of like candy I like corn candy on, corn. on, on occasion. Too. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of, but there are some people who are like, that's, that's an automatic sign that Norman is crazy. The fact that he eats that stuff. But anyway, now, I gotta say though, Perkins' performance is different in this movie than it is in either of the first two. It's not as subtle. Mm-hmm. It's he's not. He's, he's not. <laughs> he's more stilted. Some of that might be the writing, but I think also he's just got a lot on his mind because he's directing this thing as well as acting yeah. the lead role in it. I mean, he's in this mm-hmm. movie a lot, and it's not like, and it's not that the performance is bad. I just don't think it's as it's not as subtle because like the first Psycho. I, I think is one of the greatest performances in movies, period. Uh, it, his performance in the first Psycho is like, it's layered and subtle and scary and charming. And it's 
everything that a great performance should be. And right. it's, it's just remarkable. Um, this one is, is not that. <laughs> is, is, is what He's better at trying to uh, hide his true self in the first psycho. Whereas here, it's he's like he's not really not trying yeah. to do that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like he keeps, he, he still has those little like Norman isms that that I really like, like the little uh, corner, like one corner smile thing oh, that yeah. he does every oh. once in a while. It's just so that's so creepy, and he gets his eyes get a little wide sometimes. But some sometimes he's just like you're not doing a very good job of hiding. Like when the cops uh, come up to his house and. He's like, there, there's nothing wrong here. Get out of my house. It's like, you're not acting too innocent right now. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? But he, he's he's a little bit, he's so much more like kind of kind of shifty and nervous throughout the whole movie yeah. here. I yeah. kind of felt like, whereas he was pretty calm and collected, at least when he was interacting with other people sure. sometimes in the first two. Yeah. Well, I when think he was with mothers, when he kind of went. Exactly. His, his real self. In the first film, I mean... Basically, the conversation in the parlor between he and Marion Crane, yeah. that one scene is a master class of acting because mm-hmm. norm, depending on where he's, it's like, depending on how lo- far he's leaning forward is like how crazy he is, how much of mother he is. And his confidence changes. Like he goes from being where he's talking about put her someplace you mean an institution you mean put my mother there and then he leans back and says we all go a little mad sometimes and then he leans back and he's just smiles and goes haven't you you know and it's just like completely just so there's not that level of subtlety going on in this performance but what you do have is you've got an actor who has played a role he's very comfortable in and at its best is really still quite good at its worst is a little stilted, but there are, there's a scene in this as it, and as it seems like as, as it goes along farther in the film, it gets better. I don't know how much in sequence they filmed this, but by the end, it actually feels like, okay, this is, this is the Norman that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Some of the scenes early on, like in the diner and stuff feel a little tight. They feel a little uptight, but uh, as he sort of settles into everything, I think it really becomes good. That's still good for his character, though. It is. I mean, it works. I, do, I, I like. I like the scenes with with him and Maureen, where especially when they go on their like little date, and they're still like that's the, excellent that Norman. Stuff. That yeah. Norman. That's. That's not the killer. That's just like the stunted little boy, yeah. you know, comes out in some of those parts where he keeps mentioning his mother or, you mm-hmm. know, um, when some of the kids ask him to, you know, like come over and party with, with them. And he's and he gets a little bit excited, like, oh, you want to you want to you want to invite me to come over? You know, yeah. and but he just he's like not the cool person, you know. Right. So I see a little bit of that character come out a lot in some of those scenes, which uh that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we do have the uh, this character that's introduced towards the beginning, Miss Venable. She's mm-hmm. kind of coming under the auspices of investigating various disappearances in the area, and the one is um, Mrs. Spool, of course, from Psycho yeah. Two. She's really only there to try and reset the timeline, it seems like, to, to reset it back to, no, Mrs. Bates is really your mother. Mrs. Spool right. was not. <laughs> yeah, so this is only a month after 
uh, Psycho 2. Because they say that Mrs. Spool has only been missing for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And the film was made, what, three years later? So uh. there's a little bit of uh, continuity is sometimes a little shaky, maybe, from the second movie, but not that bad. It's not continuity in, like, the <laughs> the Friday the 13th sense. Um, but <laughs> where where continuity is just like, uh, continuity Whatever. what? Continuity, schmontinuity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Doesn't what? she, like, isn't she trying to... I forgot what she says to him, like what she's um, investigating or writing something yeah. on about. But she doesn't really say what it's what the reality is. <clears throat> yeah. It's not what she's actually up to. Yeah. And this is when Maureen comes in. Yeah. And he he pictures her. He, he instantly sees the resemblance to Marion Crane. Short blonde hair and, you know, mm-hmm. similar build and similar kind of features. and The MC on her suitcase. MC on her suitcase. Uh, and something, and he starts flashing to the shower scene, uh, which, you know, it's a psycho movie. You got to include the, some homage to the shower scene. Uh, and they just play it wholesale at the beginning of Psycho 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, out of context, but that's okay. There was a lot more homages in this one to the original that I remember. There are a lot. Yeah, and I, yeah. I I wrote several of those down. But something I never noticed, though, was uh, they don't use Bernard Herrmann's music for, for the shower scene in this. They don't play that. It's The audio is um, a skip that's going on on the jukebox where it just that's true it, and it's this song that i don't know but it's like a it's like an 80s song but it just keeps repeating the words under my skin under my skin under my skin over and over and over again and i thought i didn't catch that wow i this is and i've seen this several times and thought and even for like analytical purposes and i never really caught on to that but that's exactly what's happened is there's this sense that this person, this person who's walked in the door, Marion is kind of under his skin in a certain way. Mother is under his skin in a certain way. And this woman has sort of hit him like thunderstruck, you know, in this moment and gotten under his skin in a different way. And so, but you know what happens when he feels attraction to a woman. Right. And so this is the thing. You know, there are a lot of things that are similar between this movie and the original Psycho. The difference is, the biggest difference is that you know, I mean, structurally, they're very similar, but you know who Norman is in this case. Whereas in the original, it's a mystery. Here, Mm -hmm. you know what what's up you know what's going on exactly what's up yeah that makes it kind of scary because we've established maureen enough by this point that you develop uh being able to care for her i think uh to to know that you don't want her to get hurt and that she could get killed and so it's just kind of an interesting setup um in an interesting way to take it i think that's where the movie's at its strongest is the maureen and norman stuff yeah, but do you think it's weird then that he still seemingly hides the fact that it's him dressed up as mother, like doing the kill? Like he still does the thing where like the face is darkened, you know, you you can just see the sure. wig and the dress and everything. It does make that for that like like we were talking about before that final like really creepy shot of him yeah. <laughs> where you see that it's it's yeah. definitely Norman, but it, it, it doesn't make would it have been better sense. or? 
Well, I mean, he he must still just go into this fugue state during those moments, right? Well, sure, because he always goes and talks to mother, and yeah, like, is like, "What did you do?" So or, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily know that he's doing the dress up, but he knows that's what he does when he goes into these fugues. Yeah, states. exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, the thing is, I think it works though because that is his psychosis. Sure, you know, I think he still goes into the fugue state. He doesn't remember that he goes to kill these people dressed as mother, but he knows because he's been told that's what happens. I think. So it's basically, it's just, it's the movie mostly from his point of view the most, I would say, then. Yeah. If, it's, if he's doing so. it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And and that works. I mean, especially I mean, now that you have Anthony Perkins, t- uh, in, in essence, telling the story mm-hmm. uh, as its director and as its star, you kind of, that I think that works for this movie. And it's a, it's a weird movie. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think that there are, and if I'm being honest, this is my third favorite psycho movie <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I i think that psycho 2 is a better movie but i probably have watched this one more often so maybe mm. this maybe i actually enjoy this one more even though i know it's not as good as psycho 2 there is some fun stuff to be there's, but it, but i find this movie to be a lot of fun to watch yeah. i will i will throw this one on for kicks before I throw on Psycho 2. There's definitely some scenes, some specific scenes that I remembered from, because I only seen this once before, I think, mm-hmm. that I remembered like, okay, so this one is definitely the fun Psycho, like it is. The, the ice chest. Uh, yeah, the well, ice chest Big thing that, so I, that I remember the most. <laughs> yeah. And the girl getting killed on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, girl, and the thing is, okay, the, the death scenes in this movie are pretty much service to the genre as it was at the time you know they're slasher scenes this is definitely an 80s slasher yeah yeah and that's not really what psycho is so that i know it kind of you know it feels wrong in this one doesn't it kind of wrong but i gotta say the way norman disposes of the bodies is right in line with psycho though Mm -hmm. uh because i think those scenes are honestly some of the funniest scenes in the movie they are (laughs) they're so twisted but they're hilarious and one of the things that i noticed too is when i was watching this last time uh for my article i was noticing all these things like oh my gosh this is like blood simple have the coen brothers debut Mm -hmm. the lighting and the sort of neo-noir feel of uh, it. Yeah. And there are these transitions that are so smart. And like there's this part where he sees the light under the door. And then it turns into the edge of the knife. It turns into the into the knife edge as he's going to walk down to there. And there's another one where Maureen's in the hospital. And he walks straight from her hospital bedside into mother's bedroom. Mm-hmm. That are just like right out of Coen Brothers playbook. I found out later, you know, listening to the commentary, it's like uh, Anthony Perkins wanted me to watch two movies. I don't remember what the other one was, but the other one was uh, the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple. He was like obsessed with that movie. He thought it was brilliant. Nice. And so he's like, I want my movie to have something of this feel. And it totally does. This would make a great pairing with Blood Simple. 
just because the feeling is so simple, even though the stories are so vastly different. Like also (laughs) Jeff Fahey with his lamps and everything like that while the girl's in the room with him. That's so Coen Brothers to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've only seen Blood Simple once too. Oh, so so good. uh, That's definitely what I remember the most about it was that uh, that moody atmosphere that it has. Yeah. This is definitely taking from that for sure. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Now, I, I think this aversion, there are two there are two scenes that riff on the shower scene in this movie. There's, well, three, I guess, because of the one that we already talked about. But the one where he, he starts thinking about Marine, mother takes over, he goes down to kill her, he opens the door, and she's lying in the bathtub, she's already cut her wrists. I think that yep. is <laughs> so brilliant. This is one of the reasons why I think these, the two movies, this and Friday Five kind of go well together too they both have that like opening like kind of subversion of what you expect scene. yeah because friday five has that too yeah absolutely it's just like for for it to just it, it doesn't just stop there he suddenly you know it goes to marine's point of view and this woman who comes in <laughs> transforms the knife turns into a crucifix in in the hand and he imagine she imagines it's the virgin mary coming to her and it's like she's hallucinating this whole thing and norman snaps out of it after seeing her in the tub and saves her life gets her to the hospital it's it's a wild subversion i mean you you were joking with me that all your all the movies you pick are religious brian it's like i know but this one is like (laughs) this one is like subversive as far as religion goes, it's mm. really, really dark. It's taking these, you know, sort of sacred. I'm not Catholic. So, I mean, I, the Virgin Mary doesn't have the same connection with me as it does of someone of the Catholic faith. But it takes that image and just twists it in the darkest possible way, I mm-hmm. think. And I think it's really kind of perverted in a way, in a way that Hitchcock, <laughs> in a way that Hitchcock would totally love. I think Hitchcock would find some of those elements to be hilarious. He would find that to be just really getting to the essence of the kinds of things he was trying to do. Because he always tried to subvert, you know, sexuality and all these things Mm -hmm. in various ways in his movies. I just like uh, leading up to this scene, too. They... He completely like yeah re almost redoes the uh, the the shower scene the 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 beginning of uh, the beginnings of that like looking through the peephole and that yeah. kind of stuff and the way that um another kind of funny scene is the way that uh Norman kind of freaks out when he hears that uh, Duke put uh, her, her you, you put her in cabin one yeah. <laughs> so you can almost kind of feel him going like oh my gosh okay I already kind of like her so I'm probably just gonna have to kill her you can like yeah, right. you can kind of see that working in his head a little bit yeah and yeah. he does like the same similar kind of shots in a way that I it's not like homaging the original movie it's it's totally it's more going towards norman's character that like he they were trying to make him crazy and psycho too this is him actually reverting back to you know like what he was in the first one the 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 way that he does similar shots mm-hmm. is not just like hey remember this from the first one this, it's more like hey this is happening to him all over again like he yeah. hasn't gotten any better yeah and after that, we you know we cut to Duke with with the uh, the girl in his oh, room. Oh, well, another kind of funny thing is uh, I liked in the hospital 
just another mm-hmm. him like kind of making fun of himself a little bit is when uh, there's like a little thing um, with him and the the sheriff where he's like, oh yeah, I was uh, I was bringing fresh towels to a room. That's how I found her. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just little yeah. stuff like that. I just I definitely found funny. Well, I mean, again, he's it's him covering for is him covering yeah. for mother, right? <laughs> for mother, sure. Yeah. Um, he's just like being so obviously shifty, and that mm-hmm. sheriff is just the, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is the connection of the actress okay. between this movie and Friday Five. Okay. Red mm-hmm. in this movie is Robin. Oh. In of Friday course. Five. There the you actress go. is Juliet Cummins, which I think okay. she looks totally different. And I didn't recognize her at first until I, I was looking she at looks you know, really who played different. Red. Yeah. She does look really different. Yeah. And this, uh, this has the whole thing again. Watch the guitar is a line that comes in. <laughs> Uh, here because you know that's gonna pay off it's sort of it's it's Chekhov's it's Chekhov's gun you know if you're gonna (laughs) if you're gonna show me this this many times you're gonna do something with it later in the movie something that's a great guitar I think yeah I think (laughs) so and um this scene with the two of them just further that duke is just so awful and that's and the music that's playing is like this 80s porno music it's it's amazing right. and the lighting in the room is very you know 80s porno lighting. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> how it opens with her she like drags her cigarette down her arm and yeah. then like wets her finger and runs her finger back up her arm and like puts the ash that's gross yeah <laughs> what are you doing there's also i'm just picturing anthony perkins like directing the scene mm-hmm. just kind of makes me laugh it's like okay yeah. now uh lick the picture of that girl's ass on the wall behind you right <laughs> and duke's room i'm sorry but Duke's room looks like a serial killer's room. It does, does it not? I mean, he has all these pictures that he's cut out of porno magazines and he's pasted them, his like favorite parts onto different women. So it's like, it's very Silence of the Lambs to me. I mean, it's like you're taking the tits from this person and the torso from this person and the head from this person <laughs> you're pasting it all together it's none of the women really, have heads exactly it's, it's so twisted it's so twisted <laughs> it's like i don't know maybe that's anthony perkins comment that you know who's the real psycho here <laughs> you know seriously yeah um, well later on yeah duke gets a little bit like uh there's yeah. probably something about him that we do not know. <laughs> He's we can we can make some uh, assumptions. Yes. Um, let's put it that way. And the, that shot of him holding the, the lamps and like just kind of like giving her lighting while she's that... just being all sexy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. That's a great shot, though. He's directing his own movie, right? Mm-hmm. And when he's done shooting, it's like, okay, that's a wrap. You can go, essentially, right? And she uh, she gets kicked out. Is she wearing the same underwear in both movies, too? I swear. <laughs> because now that I'm thinking about it... Is it she the, has is a it, naked is scene. That, that blue, yeah. The blue striped, blue and white striped underwear? 
<laughs> they're similar, I gotta tell you. But yeah, she's naked in both. She has a good line to him before he throws her out, though, that I liked. <laughs> Remind me, what was it? Oh, and uh, she wants to stay, and he's like, you're not just like one of those guys that's just going to fall asleep, are you? And he tells her that it's oh, better yeah. than a vibrator. <laughs> it's like, at it's least a vibrator, a vibrator gets, gets, me, gets off. me off. Yeah, that was a good line. And that of course, because he's an asshole that pisses him off and yeah. he literally throws her out literally throws her and she when she falls when she hits the ground out there it's like ah i know and, and it looks actually painful and it's actually her because you can see her face and body mm-hmm. the whole time and it's like a full body shot i mean it's not like you know they cut to close-up of her hitting the ground it's mm-hmm. it's it's like you just see it all in one shot and um boy what a trooper to do that but um she at least give me my clothes and she gets stuck in her shirt and she's gonna go goes to the phone booth and the phone booth scene is of course a shower scene um homage to i think because you know you're in this confined room she's mostly naked um she's very vulnerable she's sort of twisted Mm -hmm. up in her sweater and now mother has gotten some mad strength because mother <laughs> you know, through the door. She, she busts through the glass and uh yeah this is a very slashery scene uh, very bloody the, yeah this definitely reminded me of the shower i was like okay so this is like the shower scene but you actually uh kind of see a little bit more of the blood yeah. that you didn't yeah in, in that one but it's, he's still doing the same kind of shots where like you can't exactly tell what's well, going on or where it's hitting and stuff like that yeah well and there's this... the same shot of her oh the shot of her feet mm-hmm. he goes he does the same kind of shot down of her feet but at this one like she's stepping on like broken glass, glass. and her bare feet which is just, mm-hmm. which is just like ugh, i hate that because <laughs> that's yeah. one of those things that you can feel and like, yeah. like so painful yeah and you know both that kill and the kill on the toilet were added later they they were things that were not originally part of it but the studio was like we got to compete with friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street at that point and and things like that so you got it's got to be bloodier you got to do more and so they did it's kind of like the same things they did with halloween 2 you know halloween 2 is so much bloodier and more violent than halloween 1 michael doing things that he just wouldn't do in the first movie because of Friday the 13th part one and two being so much more violent and bloody than and just graphically violent, uh, gory than, than the first Halloween, for example. And same with the first two psychos, neither of which are particularly gory. I mean, you see in the original psycho, I mean, obviously you don't see anything. You never see the knife enter the body. You never see any of yeah. that. You see, you see a slash wound across Arbogast's face. That's about it. And you see the blood going down the drain. But this is more the reality of what he's actually doing, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And because obviously killing someone with a butcher's knife. It's going to cause some damage and some gonna, blood. There's going to be some blood. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. I know that's one thing they tried to do in the Psycho remake was give her stab wounds and stuff like that in the shower. And it looked so bad because it was a CGI that was just lousy for in 1998 when they did that. I don't anyway. remember. <laughs> oh, the only Psycho movie that I don't like at all that I just viscerally hate and just absolutely can't stand. And I don't hate a lot of movies. I can see... I find myself liking a lot of movies in some ways. Like, I can see something of value in this, I guess, at least. 
I cannot see that at all in the Psycho remake. I, I mean, and, and I like Vince Vaughn as an actor, but I mean, talk about being miscast. He's far too confident of a human being in that role. And it's interesting because Anthony Perkins, getting back to this movie, can play very, very confident. Uh, played as a Lays is a great example. But he can also play this awkward... And even nor- within the character of Norman Bates, he makes these massive swings from being extraordinarily confident. Especially in the first movie, that first scene with Arbogast, he's very natural. Whereas his scenes with Marion, he's just like awkward and fidgety and all these things it's very interesting and i think that's why anthony perkins is just a was just a unique actor i've never seen anyone that could uh, play things the way he did within a single film or a single role and you know at this point in the movie we're starting to see that with norman and his portrayal of norman in this movie i i think you know him cleaning the phone booth and stuff like that is kind of funny they show him cleaning the phone booth the next mm-hmm. morning and, and uh, <laughs> the comments that Duke makes are just kind of funny and silly. And then, but he, he sees uh, Maureen trying to get ready. They're going to go out and, and says, Oh, conservative clothes never go out of style, uh, <laughs> which is just a funny <laughs> line. But, He's talking with mother and mother is, is like, you know, you, you're gonna, that, that, you get that little whore out of my house kind of thing, you know, that yeah. she always does. And he takes the butcher knife and puts it in his hand and he punches the table with it in his hand mm-hmm. still. I feel that moment so much. It that, that's, that's one of those ouch moments for me where I can almost feel it. Again, like that's, I guess that's kind of his release because that's yeah. after the scene, isn't that where um, after their date and mm-hmm. they, they, they try to have sex, but uh, they're both just kind of like, no, we can't do this. Let's just hold each other. And that scene is so good. That scene is, uh-huh. that scene is, is one of the best in the series. Because, I mean, he just lays down they, they kind of fall into bed together and he's just like he doesn't know what to do he's he's, he's like mm-hmm. I, i'm not supposed to do this i'm this isn't right i've you know whatever he's been told or feels or has been drilled into his mind all these years and she's like i'm not gonna pressure you and he's like okay 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 and they just kind of <laughs> lie next to each she, other instead yeah she doesn't yeah. really seem to know what to do either because she like, well she's been thing. a nun <laughs> yeah yeah because i mean that's i was trying to figure out like beforehand like okay why does she like is why is she trying to kill herself in, in the beginning like what she talks about with um what's his name father father brian mm-hmm. it was her idea to become a nun she says and but like the only thing that she seems to like really have any like conflict was was you know, hungers for the flesh father you know that kind of thing so it's like a similar thing that um that's mother's you know big concern you know i i think her biggest thing is she's is like an inner conflict she has decided to become a nun and she has this inner conflict where she feels that she's been abandoned by god doesn't feel the presence of God, maybe there is no God uh, to her. I, I think that inner conflict is ultimately what drives her to that. It's like, how can I be a nun if I don't believe in God? And then I did this thing where I... But what makes where her she, not she believe be- in God? I don't know. There are lots <laughs> That's of... That's what I didn't get. <laughs> well, I mean, I think everyone, whether they're 
who is a religious person at some point has been like, is this real or not? I don't know. Or, or just experiences times of doubt or whatever. Sure. And maybe she just didn't know what to do with that because she's surrounded by this group of devoted people, obviously. And mm-hmm. she, she feels like a fraud, perhaps. And then... She, I think she tries to kill herself also because, not just because of that, but also because she feels responsible for killing someone and that that would be an unforgivable kind of thing. Uh, though there, there are themes of forgiveness in this movie. Um, yeah, definitely. Because the cop says at one point, we believe in giving, or, or the diner owner talking about norman says we believe in giving people a second chance yeah uh and then maureen later says you know norman understands forgiveness well (laughs) the sheriff is kind of like that too yeah there's there's a lot of that that happens in this movie um but i think it comes down to maureen struggling to forgive herself for her doubts and also for her feelings of being drawn to the flesh which whatever yeah. and that's that's mostly what i that's all, mm-hmm. all i could get from it, it was like because she was talking about you know i was i was having these thoughts about these things that i'll never you know get to do never get to experience if i if i keep going forward you know with yeah. being a nun and you know that's that's a Which choice that that people who decide to go into a priesthood or into a convent or into that type of service have to have to grapple with so anyway um yeah I, that date is one of the my favorite scenes in the movie i think it's awkward and they're both so awkward and yeah. <laughs> together it's kind of cute in a way. yeah exactly <laughs> it? it's it's sort of a sweet scene but you also there's a sense of dread underneath it all because you know what happens when norman becomes attracted to women right uh, when mother yeah. has you know fixated on like this woman is a horror that yeah. he needs to get rid of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Even though she's a nun. Yeah. She's a very she she's a very nice girl, mother. Why does mother want to kill like the nuns and the supposed horrors? Like and when you literally in your motel you have an almost rapist. Like I know. why doesn't he get to get killed sooner? You know, no one would say that Norman's psychosis is <laughs> rational <laughs> that's by nature it's not really? rational uh, so anyway i'm just saying another kill here that the studio asked for more gore is the toilet kill catchay catchay and cool to, cool to see her yeah um now this scene the lighting okay so the lighting is like this green sickly light he discovers her in the mm-hmm. bathroom and the the cleanup scene here is is so dark and so funny because there are all these really people ni- there. Those are r- really nice throat slash though. The throat in slash. Terms, is I mean, good. I know it doesn't really go with Psycho, but in terms of like eighties you know, slash or kills, like it's this one's pretty cool. Yeah, I would say. It's yeah, a good I'd throat say slash, so and then yeah. and then also kind of funny when he like stabs the toilet paper to me because it's yeah. like it starts unspooling. Yeah, <laughs> he makes it stop. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but that whole scene where he the he has to hide because he's never the hotel has always been empty before or motel's always right. been empty before so he never has to worry about people seeing him right 
here there are all these people around because the thing's been booked. That is one of the most brilliant uh-huh. things about this movie. This is one of the funniest things because he's like hiding it from him and and he he's trying to get her out the window and she like flops down in the mud <laughs> then he's he's like holds her up and as the people walk by oh someone's getting lucky tonight and uh, we find out that <laughs> he puts her in the ice machine which seems kind of dumb if there's a bunch of people there I that know. are drinking like they're I gonna know. go back and get ice like why I did know. you do that i know but when the cop is there the next day <laughs> That's the, this is the scene I remember. Is him eating the bloody in, ice cubes. Yeah, the bloody ice cubes. And and Norman's just looking there, watch watching him do this. And he's like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything. Not gonna say anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, and that's one of the things that in both of these movies, the humor is so just the sick gallows humor that I just find so appealing and funny. <laughs> A nice little touch um, before that. They go up to they go up to the house to go get Norman because this uh, girl has been missing or whatever from from her party, and they he's sleeping on the couch in the living room. Right. And the way that everything just has like this layer of dust so on it. So much dust. Yeah. That's just like kind of a, a perfect little touch that. Yeah. It's the same thing of like, you know, your your physical surroundings kind of match what's going on in your mind. Right. That yeah, we mentioned before in like, when we talked about Halloween ends, like, like I see that like so much in, in movies now. It's like, okay, this is he, he's not taking care of himself. He's not taking and this is a yeah. beautiful, cool fucking house. <laughs> this is what makes if that this is kind of what makes me mad about this whole series. <laughs> this is the way that house just is getting worse and worse and worse, yeah. and it's like Ugh! that that <laughs> house that's the coolest. It's so cool, like on the outside and the yeah. inside, and you're just like letting it rot, and it pisses me off. <laughs> What's so funny is that house in various stages of repair has shown up in a bunch of movies. You know, it's it's seen. You can see it in the background of the Burbs. If you watch for it, the house from Psycho, like painted blue and looking nice, is on the street in the burbs. Is it? <laughs> it's in the background, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, sort of that design has ended up in things like uh, Beetlejuice and, and different movies mm-hmm. like that. And so it's so uh, iconic is such an overused word. But, I mean, is there another word I- for I mean, it, come on. <laughs> in that case, it's instantly recognizable. Yeah, and like, you yeah, know, that's the psycho house. Think if that move, if that house was in great shape, you know, paint it being kept up and everything, everyone would want to live in that house because it's so <laughs> cool. It, it's sort of like you know how how big and uh, uh, big. What are their names? Why can't I think? They both have the same name in Halloween Kills. Big, big John and, and Little John. Big, big, there we go. Big John. Such a hard name to think of. Um, yeah. <laughs> big John and Little John, you know, fixed up the Myers house and made it look amazing. Yeah, you can totally. do the same thing with the Psycho house. Come on. I could have so much fun with the Psycho house. Yeah. Fixing that up. You making poly- it a little modern, but still keeping yeah. like some of the traditional elements to it. Fuck yeah. yeah. Polish up those wood floors. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. You have a nice house there. Now, this is where Watch the Guitar pays off, right? <laughs> so we um, find we get a note from... Norman gets a note from Mother saying that she's in Cabin 12 because he's looking because for Mother. Because one of the don't cops... Where, yeah. yeah. Don't know where Mother when is. the cops come in? 
Yeah. She's not there. She's not there, uh, which is good for Norman uh, <laughs> that she wasn't <laughs> right. there. But so mother is down in cabin 12 watching Woody Woodpecker with Duke. Duke is a freaking serial killer in this oh, yeah. scene. <laughs> oh, it's totally. creepy as fuck. Do you think he's a necrophiliac? <laughs> that had not crossed my mind. Just now asking. It <laughs> now it's in there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> So um, he does kiss her. He, he does. <laughs> um, anyway, that's what I thought you were implying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't crossed my mind until I, you put it there yourself. No. Nope. Okay. All right. No. Nope. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So I, all the, this whole fight that they have is I don't know the pink funny. lighting. Yeah. In the room uh-huh. and the way he's like just kind of like sweaty and a little wild looking, like mm-hmm. singing like I don't know what that song was. Yeah. Some song about my mothers. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. But he's got the whole story of you know he, he knows Norman's whole story now and his motivation apparently is just money, which is totally dumb. But yeah, well, that's why he it, didn't. It makes sense. We got we got a lot of people covering but for, for Norman in this uh, in this scene, uh, movie for different reasons. <laughs> but the thing is, okay, we know that. Norman is not exactly rich. He's not yeah. making much money on the motel. They had one yeah, good he, weekend. I mean, come on. When Duke says that, you know, you could sell that land, just like, no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that place has a reputation. Like, no one's going to buy that right. place, even though, like we just Ooh, said, the it's murder a cool house. house. Yeah. So he bludgeons. Now, this is Norman who's doing it. Uh, in this case, he like hurls a freaking ashtray at his he head. He hits the ashtray at his head. But this is Norman doing the killing here. This is not Mother. And I, is this the first time in the series that it's, well, I guess no. besides killing Mrs. Spool, yeah. where we see Norman and not Mother kill? I think it might be. Uh, yeah, it's and it's to protect Mother, though, right? Yeah. And no so one can know what she's done. No, it's like it's what like, I've done, right? I'm saying, yeah, it, it, that's right, that's right. And he, um, nobody must know about her. I think uh, this is the best that Anthony Perkins is in this movie. Is in this scene, he's so good, he's so in it, and he just the way he delivers the the dialogue in this scene is is just incredible. I'm saying you can definitely see the struggle. That's going on in his mind between between it being mother and it being him. You know? Oh yeah, and so good. I mean, and he bludgeons him, and and you know, of course, one more time. Hey, watch the guitar. Watch the guitar <laughs> as he's being as he's dying. He still yeah. says, "Watch the guitar." You made me do this. You're tainted blood in me. Uh, you know, he says that to mother and, and the Woody Woodpecker starts laughing and it's like, don't laugh at I me, know. mother. <laughs> I know. That's so good. I, I mean, I, I love Anthony Perkins in this scene. I think uh-huh. he's, he's, he's so, I, it's where I think the psychosis is on display at its most over the top. Uh, sort of the tension between him and mother is sort of on full display in the scene in a way it never really has been up to this point in any of the other movies and it's it's so i think it's fantastic i love that part do you think that tainted blood line though is him like making a comment at mrs spool directly like thinking that she's his mother 
I don't know if it matters. I think it's just mother, whoever, whoever his mother is. I mean, this movie is pretty much ignoring that Mrs. Bates is not his mother, even though she is his mother. If oh, that makes sense. That's kind of what I got from that line. Yeah. Though, yeah. That he was a little mad that it's not the mother that, you know, <laughs> yeah. he had been talking to all these years. Like this was because that it was a different mother. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, it's quite possible. I guess I always thought of it as like he's not even thinking about who his mother is. It's just his mother mother is mother and whether it's mrs spool or mrs bates doesn't even register with him i don't think it seems not, just like. not until that moment yeah is what i was yeah. thinking yeah I, I, I don't know i don't know that could be i see what you're saying another funny part <laughs> i love what's that it's trying to get oh uh, the... uh, trying to get patsy out of the ice chest <laughs> right Bra- breaks her arm and kisses her kisses ah. her dead body before he puts her in the trunk yeah lovely that moment though i mean he kind of looks around first before he kisses her before he does it is really chilling and um i mean it's just proof that you know anthony perkins just understood something about norman that really no one else would would have been able to tap into i i I don't know Of another actor that could play Norman like Anthony Perkins. I don't think it's possible. You know, the whole swamp thing, thing, you know, getting stuck down there and seeing the other bodies and getting stuck and all that. Oh, that that's pretty great. Another, like, going back to the original, except this time we get to go into the lake. <laughs> right, right. With the car. <laughs> you know? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> now, Maureen's death is a real bummer. Yeah. She just falls on the, down the stairs. Just like Arbogast, you know, that's mm-hmm. definitely a, a clearly an 100%. homage to the first clearly. one because <laughs> because she's falling in exactly the same non way, right, with the the rear projection thing happening and everything, and she hits the statue of Cupid that's at the bottom of the stairs and impales herself on the arrow, which is just sort uh-huh. of like killed by love, <laughs> right? As it were, <laughs> again, not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> but uh, because she was like i said a lot of people covering for norman for some reason in this mm-hmm. movie like she lies and says that you know norman was with her right. when uh the girl in the toilet was killed her right. name was patsy because like she and she knows this whole story and everything but she still says that because of that whole forgiveness thing that she's uh, yeah she's trying to like give that same kindness you know to another person you know forgiveness and like this is what she gets for it you know one of those things yeah now now, miss venable going up to the house and seeing norman dressed up as mother and for the first time ever we see mother's voice come out of norman's mouth that i just wrote really big creepy (laughs) that is so creepy but this also has one of my favorite like little details of the whole thing mrs venable is like going up the stairs and and she's going up backwards and she sort of hits the picture and mother walks by without even looking and just straightens (laughs) the picture picture. i wrote that down too i love that that is (laughs) one of the best things ever 
Um, it really is. Oh, that's I, that's I find mother. That so you know? funny. That's like such a perfect little touch. Yeah, and, and it's and it's just this quick momentary thing, uh, but it's so funny. He had Maureen mm. all like kind of laid out on, mm. on the couch with mm. candles and everything, like. Yeah. And her made up again, you know, where she didn't look dead anymore. Like she looks yeah. like she had makeup on in a little bit. Very creepy, very yeah. creepy stuff. But like, and also like an apology, almost. It kind of felt like. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So the ending, this climax is interesting because you know, instead of we we venable lays it out oh mrs spool was uh she was just a crazy old lady who was jealous of your of your mother and okay yeah mrs spool was was norma's sister something like that yeah yeah who was also in love with the the, same man his father yeah (laughs) and but but he went for norma which made her jealous and mad and they had norman and he she kidnapped norman when he was a baby but just for a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's yes. all it's all very convoluted you know i mean yeah. and honestly it's pretty convoluted in psycho 2 as well i it's it's a twist for the sake of having a twist mm-hmm. um it's the one thing about psycho 2 that i think is kind of eh, it's okay you know, I, 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 and I, but I think the kill at the end of the movie is really shocking yeah. and really great. At the end of Psycho yeah, Two, where he kills her with the shovel, I think that is yeah, definitely that is such a great scene. But at the same time, I'm thinking of it as an overarching sense of the themes of the first two movies, and it's just kind of like it doesn't. It's you have to shoehorn it in a little bit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I know don't people are probably gonna be like, but it's okay, fine. I we can disagree. It's okay. <laughs> it's just I, a movie it's just a movie it's only a movie uh and uh <laughs> but this fixes it so his mother is his mother is, is yeah this is school was just this crazy sister uh but yeah he uh he so he stabs the the stuffed corpse mrs. Body. of mrs yeah. spool and he gets arrested you're gonna go away for a you long think I don't have time the guts? norman yeah yeah, you don't think I don't. You keep saying I don't have the guts. Yeah, it's like uh, now the ending, of course, uh, also mandated by the studio. You got to have something. And I don't know. I kind of like, like it, it. though. <laughs> I kind of like it. Well, and, and the thing, the thing is, and thing is, here's what Anthony Perkins or the writer, I can't remember who, said. They said, "Okay, so this is what we'll do." This it was the writer. It was the writer. Okay, so the writer said, "Okay, this is what we'll do. Uh, instead of having, because they wanted, <laughs> they wanted him to have his her head or something like that stuffed under his How? jacket. Exactly. And says, you know, says, uh, here's what we'll do. He'll get him back in the car. He was he was saying this as a joke, thinking they'll ne- they'll never film this. And says he'll pull out her arm and just kind of stroke it, and and you'll go to him smiling, and that'll be the end." I never thought they were actually going to shoot it. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was pretty funny, um, but yeah, that's how it ends. I mean, it, but the it does undermine the idea of at least I'll be free because he's not free. He's still no, he's still under the thumb of and and it's not even his mother's arm. It's Mrs. Spool's arm, and so it's yeah. all which is again I think just which I thought that was a 
you know, we, I thought that was a great line that he had. Yeah. Like, I'll finally be free. Yeah, because like, yeah. that's when the sheriff says, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna go away forever. Now, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's, yeah, that's a good way to end it. I don't know, <laughs> it's still just kind of, yeah, kind of, again, kind of cheeky and it having is. fun. It is cheeky, with but it. but at the same time, you know, uh, Miss, the fact that it's Mrs. Spool's arm and not Mrs. Bates' arm is also sort of an indication that it doesn't really matter who his mother is, because mother in his mind is not really his mother. Mother yeah. in his mind is some kind of other entity that he has invented and conflated into this crone uh, here. So I don't know. I still dig Psycho 3. I think it's fun. I, do too. I think it's a goofy, wild ride of a 80s slasher with a bit of the classic psycho f- mm-hmm. vibe to it, with uh, by way of, you know, <laughs> sleazy neo noir. It's really. Yeah. And, you know, I think I wish Anthony Perkins had had more opportunities to direct because I think he really could if he given, you know, stronger material, which I think this material is not bad. I just think given material he was really interested in because I think he did this because he could <laughs> he, he had leverage to do it. I think he could have been a really terrific director. He could have become as good as, let's say, a Clint Eastwood if he had kept ha- having opportunities to do it. Because, I mean, Clint Eastwood's first movie is okay. Um, Play Misty for me is okay, but it's not fantastic. He needed time to grow into it, but it's unfortunate that Perkins really didn't get those opportunities. But, you know, it happens. Um, because because Psycho 3 was not a big hit. Sometimes these movies just grow in their cult as they go along, right? Well, I hope that this one does, because... Like we like we've been saying, like it's it's fun. It's still, it, it, I think at some points it does try to take itself seriously and yeah, d- trying to do something with the characters. It takes it serious, a, self a seriously enough. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I remember when I first watched this being like not because I'm a prude or anything, but being kind of shocked at like how sleazy this was, just because it just yeah. wasn't. That's not, like that's not Psycho right. to me. Like it's it's not that kind of movie but, or that series but it kind of works uh, the thing about the uh, psycho not being sleazy i think that's because of psycho 2 because i actually think the first psycho was supposed to it's, be sleazy it well was, it's it was, subtly sleazy yeah. it's not like as in your face sleazy as this one is, no it's not mean. as in your but it couldn't be in 1960 it was shocking yeah, exactly. enough to say oh my gosh we're gonna flush a toilet in this movie we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna kill a naked woman in a shower we're gonna she's gonna be checked into this road roadside motel where you know what happens in roadside motels that kind of stuff was going on i think that was the whole yeah the whole point of (laughs) whores yes black yeah in in this i think because and the fact that you know hitchcock filmed it in black and white he filmed it for six hundred thousand dollars instead of two million totally i mean different era all yeah. of those things sort of imply that he was trying to make a william castle movie is what he was trying to do he was like i'm gonna make a william castle movie but i'm gonna do it better than he can do it is essentially what he was trying to do and i'm gonna make more money than him and then, you know, they just sort of had this continuous back and forth because William Castle then tried to knock off Psycho uh, for much of the rest of his career. <laughs> and, you know, hey, Straight Jacket's a lot of fun. Why not? Haven't seen it. I love William Castle for the record. <laughs> now that's sleazy. That's sleazy stuff. Good stuff. All right. 
Speaking of sleazy. Speaking of sleazy. This is. Our next movie is pretty much kind of got the same little vibe going on with it. Just it do. Good, sleazy, taking the piss out of itself, having, everybody's having fun with the kind of movie that they're making here. They're, Friday Five, a new beginning. Like, I'm telling you. <laughs> literally, is, is there anyone is, in this movie except for the guy that plays Tommy Jarvis who is actually taking this movie seriously i don't think so <laughs> including pam, danny steinman pam and matthew i mean they're okay. kind of more serious okay. characters maybe, that, but like they kind of have to be but even pam i mean she's got that shot where you can see right through her shirt <laughs> um that's not her fault that's danny steinman that's danny steinman yeah but i it's it's just like um this movie is just sheer fun and silliness and it's it's goofy and it doesn't make any sense and it's every character it's, that's introduced is introduced to be yeah, killed is exactly <laughs> there's no you're like oh okay let's what's going on with these two? Oh, they're dead what <laughs> it happens like several times uh, yeah. throughout this movie there is like and what's so funny is like you get to know more about those characters yes! that die like within those their own scenes than you do about the characters that make it through most through of the, the whole movie. movie like the kids <laughs> like the kids at the, you would think you would get to know more about the, the kids yeah. at the uh where what is it, this place like a group home or something. Yeah. You think you would learn more about them and their backgrounds? No, we don't care about them. Let's learn more about Lana and Billy at the diner. Right, <laughs> and, exactly. You know, <laughs> who die within five minutes of being on screen. Yeah. But I don't know. It just, it still kind of works for me. And yeah. this one is always been a lot of fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's so many kills. Like one of my favorite, my favorite kill of the entire series is yeah. in this movie. And mine is, I think right before that. So we'll, oh really yeah we'll we'll have to do you know what mine is yeah i know i've said it before do you yeah. remember okay yeah and i know yes it's the one without jason but it still feels like a jason it's a movie dude in a me. hockey it's, mask with it's a, a big dude in a hockey mask and lots of other things i'm sorry jason, <laughs> <A Roy> jason <laughs> right jason is a jason has always been a force of nature he's not a personality mm-hmm. until I I could say that Kane Hodder puts some personality in it, but otherwise he's just a shark. You know, he doesn't, he's Mm -hmm. in this, I mean, in part two, you can kick him in the balls, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) And, and you can drop him, but later on, it's just like, he's, he's a shark. You can't, there's nothing you can do. He's a hurricane. There's not, it's not about his personality. And so why the fuck does it matter if it's actually (laughs) Jason Voorhees resurrected or not? I mean, we go, we go into this movie knowing that Jason's dead. Right. And Mm -hmm. we expect, it sets it up for us to expect it to not be Jason. It expects it sets it up for us to think that it's Tommy. Yeah, but I, I think there's kind of a little bit of a, a trickery going on with that too, because there is usually like a resurrection scene at the beginning. Yep. Kind of at these movies, and there is in this one. But it's a but dream. it's a dream. But they kind of make you sort of forget about that, so you do think that you know Jason is back in some way, even though actually now when I was watching it again, I was like, they're making it so fucking obvious that it's Roy like from the beginning that I never noticed before. <laughs> he has, he has one where like his, 
No, like when he, um, I think when they they go to pick up um, the kid's body, and he they have a close up of his face where yeah. he's all the all of the expression goes out of his face, and it kind of lingers for a second. It's like, oh my god, they're it's so obvious that it's him. And then I remember like not having any idea when I first saw this, of course, because why would you? What? But going back and watch, it's yeah, what, what I, it's what not I very first, subtle. Okay, on rewatch. What when I first saw this, okay. I'm, and frankly, I don't know that I saw it from the beginning when I I saw it on television. And I'm pretty sure this this might have been the first one I ever saw. And it was like really. U, USA Up All Night with Rhonda Shear, you know, sure, <laughs> who was one of, one of my first crushes. Let's just be real here, you know. So I saw the edited for television version of this, which you know made it about 20 minutes long, and um. <laughs> <laughs> they show the guy on the spikes and you're like, okay, now who's that now? <laughs> it's like, you think you can't, you can barely recognize him at the end. Yeah, it's like, okay, sure. all right, but who, who's, who's that now? <laughs> That's, that was my thought. Even after I saw it all the way through, I think the only one I saw all the, the first one I saw all the way through was probably six, but, and that was again on USA up all night. So, um, <laughs> so, Danny, I don't really know where to go with this. Danny Stein, <laughs> my, my thought is, let's just talk. Some I was thinking more our, like the characters. Yeah, talk some of our favorite, favorite characters, yeah. favorite kills. Because I mean, we have uh, we have our Tommy Jarvis. That the, the opening is like takes itself pretty seriously. They check into Pinehurst or in this halfway house thing, you know, between their previous experience and going out into the world again you know getting themselves yeah, it's a halfway house yeah, together kind of thing, yeah. yeah it's not a summer camp but it's still kind of the same they're out you know isolated somewhat in the woods yeah. in the wooded area so it's still got the yeah. friday live next feel to, to these, these rednecks <laughs> uh, ethel and junior do not like that the crazy people live next door to them um <laughs> ethel uh man <laughs> yeah one thing I did notice, though, now this is this is off the beaten path of the characters, but during the dream sequence, when Jason stands up out of the grave and mm-hmm. they uh, and he's showing with the machete, they start going the the music. The music starts playing the DSE ray. Da, 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 da. Opening of The Shining. That's right. So okay, anyway, yeah. I didn't get that. <laughs> that that theme is if you listen for it, those four notes dun, 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 are in everything. There's a YouTube video <laughs> about it. It doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the places that that those four notes and that or that melody end up. So that's interesting. Seriously, listen for yeah. it. It's in, it's in Star Wars when he sees uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru are dead. It plays those four notes. I mean, it's it's really cool. Uh, it's all over the place. If if a if a basically if a character is getting bad news, those four notes are played on the soundtrack. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so so seriously, I encourage you to look that up if you haven't. What I was kind of focusing on in that scene. Is when like Jason was walking towards Tommy, which we get Corey Feldman comes yeah. back for a little get cameo. Corey Feldman for a minute because he was going to be in. They had a whole plan for Friday Five that Corey Feldman and I think uh, the director of Four were working out. Um, uh, who was Four? Um, Joseph Zito were talking about like on the set of Four, and they were going to do it. But then uh, Steven Spielberg went and cast uh, Corey Feldman in The Goonies. That's right. So, uh, sorry, (laughs) Danny Steinman, come up with your movie. 
And so that's what they did. Uh, but we do have this uh, opening s- sequence. So, But what were you going to say? Go ahead. Oh, well, that sounds dumb. I was just going to say that I was kind of focusing on uh, Jason's pants were kind of like high waters on the scene. Like, they don't quite fit him. They are. Right? They are. Now, now Jason's... He's got to work on his tailoring. <laughs> now, the same actor plays both Roy Jason and real Jason in this. Uh, so... I don't even know his name. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's gonna. I think he just recently passed away, and that makes. And so. Oh yeah. Here, here, here we go. Tom Morga is is Jason in this. So I don't know even what to say about this movie. <laughs> like I said, I think what kind of stands out the most about this movie is the characters. Anyway. Yep. Characters and kills. I, characters I and kills. Say the kills. Yeah. The kills in this movie, with a f- only a few exceptions are pretty run of the mill. A lot of them are a lot of them are big knife kills. There are some exceptions that I'm looking forward to talking about and pointing out though. Okay. Most of them are not are not are not really really super creative. I I feel. They're not bad. They're just they're just a ton of them and a lot of them are, you know, knife through the bottom of the bed. We get that one again. Yeah. Um, And and we don't even see it (laughs) pop out the other way, you know, um, or throat slashed or, you know, a lot of that Mm -hmm. happens. There's a couple of interesting ones. The kills that stand out really stand out, Mm -hmm. though, because of that. And I think those um, those will bring up. So, yeah, I thought was kind of weird watching this is that um, I thought wasn't this known as I mean, this had the like highest body count has kind of seemed like it was like super bloody or whatever but like yeah that's only on some of them though like it's kind of yep. like it's kind of weird like the the balance there like where sometimes you see like the implement going into the body and sometimes you don't and yep. it's just kind of it's a, it felt a little odd it's like if you're gonna go for it why not go yeah. for it with all of them or is it just like that wasn't in the budget to to put that there effect a, in or something yeah there are a bunch of them that you only see the aftermath yeah exactly of, especially in the end you know where you see like the tent spike in the guy's head and you see the grandfather with the eyes gouged out mm. thrown through the window and yeah so we're introduced to a bunch of characters right at the beginning yeah. reggie and ethel and uh, Joey, uh, Pam, you want a and bar? I'll give you <laughs> half, but I'll need the other half for later. Pam and yeah. Matthew, I I really enjoy Matthew. I thought mm-hmm. that actor was kind of hot. Not gonna lie. Yeah, he's got this scar on his cheek. Yeah. Like... So you said you're you had a quite a, a lofty opinion of one of the characters in this movie. You told me. Yes, I do believe that Reggie the Reckless might be. The best character, except for Alice in part two. Yeah. That's not, or not that's Alice. I... Not, not, not Alice. Not Alice. What's her name? What's her name? Um, uh, Amy Steele's character, Ginny. Ginny, yeah. In part two. She's my favorite. But um, That's why I was like, excuse but me? <laughs> Reggie, Reggie the Reckless, <laughs> though, is way up there as one of the greatest characters in this franchise. He's so funny and resourceful. Yeah. And kick, he kicks so much ass that's and what i liked about see, him was that he was resourceful like toward the end like he wasn't just one of those yeah. kids that was gonna let, let yeah. let's the adults do all the work like he gets in there and like fights too which was pretty cool i mean yeah. come on come on i mean we'll get there we'll mm-hmm. get there but come on <laughs> that scene with him what he decides to do that's that's mm-hmm. pretty rad okay he kind of brings down because i wasn't 
I hadn't really remembered her really that much, but Pam is like a super badass in, in this movie oh, too. Pam's great too, yeah. But Reggie just being so cool, like almost kind of like overshadows her in a way, yeah. just because you you fall in love with him before, but just because he's adorable yeah. and funny, and everybody loves him, especially that scene with Demon and Anita. Yeah, I I also really like um, Megan in part six. The final girl of part mm-hmm. six. I think she's. Re- I think she's really feisty. And Ginny in in part two. She's not a typical final girl. I mean, we're, we're all over the place, I guess. But okay. she's just not a typical final girl. I mean, she's kind of a screw up. You kind of get the sense that she's a little bit rebellious. Mm-hmm. She's might be sleeping with the lead guy. Who knows? I, I think that the whole idea of the virginal final girl is a carryover from Halloween that's not even really true it's of not, Lori. It's not true of a lot of them. Yeah. I think it's stupid when they carry that over. Because, I mean, it's really only the bad imitations. And I don't think Friday the 13th Part 2 is a bad imitation. I think Part 2 is actually a really, really good movie. I think it's as far as slashers go, mm-hmm. I like it better than the first one. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just got... The characters are not at all cliche in that movie. Here, the characters are really interesting because they're not really cliche, but they are kind of set up to be cannon fodder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're types, I guess. Yeah. But they're kind of given opportunities to be characters mm-hmm. rather than just being cardboard. I really think it's the actors that bring a lot it's the to actors. them. Because the they're actors all, bring a ton. They're all having a lot of fun with what they're doing, like we said. So yeah. they, they definitely, even with a character that's not really given a whole lot, they mm-hmm. still bring 100% to those little scenes that they have. So right at the very beginning, obviously, they're the first kill. Well, I was going to say, too, I also love yeah. Tina from... Part seven. Part seven is one of my favorites of the series. Yeah. Tina. Yeah. That's that's what if Carrie fought Jason. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I like a lot of things about part seven, but we'll talk about that later. Yes, we um, so the things kill by kill. How about we kill by kill this one? OK. Kill by kill. This is the this is like one of my favorite things about this movie is this scene. Again, it's that subversion of like what you're expecting to happen um, in a Friday the 13th movie is like that the first kill of the movie is not by Jason. It's just, it it's comes, true. it comes completely out of the blue. It's not, it, you're not set up at all, you know, to think that that's what's going to happen. Even though like the, the guy who's like chopping the wood is like very aggressive and angry and yeah. Joey's very annoying. Yeah. So you're, but yeah. you're still not expecting that because that's not what happens in these movies. So it's just, it's such a great, right shock uh moment that i love about this that's one of the things i love about this movie is this scene yeah and you know chops him up paramedics come and they pull back the blanket so far so that they can all see it they all scream they can all see his arm chopped off and laying on his back (laughs) right right and his arm is like his arm is on head or something yeah but when when the paramedic just like blows a bubble with his gum bunch of pussies (laughs) Because they do that thing where <laughs> they go to all the different characters looking shocked. <laughs> and and then, like you said, Roy just having that look on his face. That's hey, the, Roy. That's the turn moment. <laughs> hey, Roy, come on down here. Get your hands dirty. Um, but 
But then it just cuts to that night, and all of a sudden you got these two random characters. Right. The two. <laughs> what? What? Where do these guys think it's like 1954? I know. <laughs> they're they're dressed this, they're dressed like Marlon Brando in the Wild One. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like all these characters that are not important at all to the plot are still given like so much to them, and the the actors playing them are still just like give like they're uh-huh. the star of the fucking movie. And it's brilliant. Yeah. That scene, they're trying to start the car and uh, one of them has to go take a piss and he gets killed with a flare no. in his mouth, which is... No. Go ahead. No, this, okay. one, this has one no of my what? things. No. Well, he says he has to take a crap. Okay. <laughs> because this is one of my things about horror movies. I, I guess I wasn't paying that no. close of attention. No, I just thought of it because... <laughs> You know, like we had, we talked with Rachel about the the suddenly sober thing. Like this is my yeah. thing with horror movies is when they're out in the woods, like around nobody, and the dude always has to take a piss, and he walks like half a mile into the woods, you know, to go do it when really you could just, you know, to get killed, basically. Dream. When really you could just like turn around, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so I was thinking that's what was going to happen here, but he says he has to take a crap, and Maybe he still he walks, gets the stage and he still fight. walks like. <laughs> half a mile into the woods but i was like okay maybe that's more of a if it was just like taking a pee like he still he walks way too far for that i don't know yeah, why that always okay, bothers me enough. you know what i mean well i gotta say you know if there are other people around maybe <laughs> maybe it's just it's a stage fright issue it's like i, I don't want you to see my pp um anyway i don't know my pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> It's early. Give me a break. <laughs> well, actually, it's not that early anymore. Oh, my gosh. Looking at the time. Where did the time go? Jeez. I know. Anyway. That's just us. Um, but there are a lot of people who die while they're singing in this movie. Because uh, the other guy, <laughs> af- after the road flare, he's he's in the car. Let's start the car. Oh, you little, you fucked it up. He's trying to start the car. And then, then it starts the car. Yeah, okay, we start the car. And he gets his throat slashed with a machete. All right. Right. Then then we cut to Ethel cutting a chicken. You big dildo. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, but then, okay, so uh, again, it's like, Roy, why? How is he picking his victims? Is he just like testing? Everybody. To these, is he just like testing it out on these people to see if he can, how to do it before he goes off and tries it on the people that he actually wants to kill? Because I, it... I, because it feels like another thing that this movie is doing is setting up a lot of red herrings and then immediately killing them again. Yeah. <laughs> or taking them out of the picture. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe it's so, uh, this crazy guy, Vic, you know? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wait. And this is another thing. You know, this movie sort of is trying to take it back to part one and two at, to some extent where it's the whodunit. It's a mystery of who you know, it is. Or... Yeah. It's a mystery because, you know. In the first one, there's not even a clue. All of a sudden, Mrs. Voorhees shows uh-huh. up out of nowhere. This one at least has a clue at the beginning. And then two, you know, you you, you think it could be Jason, but isn't he dead? And, mm. and all that. Anyway. This um, one kind of sets up something that would have been cool if they had included it like earlier in the movie. Because you don't see like full on Roy in the hockey mask, I think, until he like busts through the door. It's at, late. Yeah. At Reggie uh-huh. and mm-hmm. uh, Pam. Which is like yeah. after, you know, everybody's dead pretty much is when you actually see the mask because they set up something 
kind of cool, like, like I said, if they had introduced the maybe the mask a little bit earlier in the movie, because all of Tommy's like visions and stuff of Jason, it's the mask with the red triangle. With the red, yeah. And mm-hmm. then when it's Roy, it's the two blue triangles, like on, blue, the, on the cheek, yeah. which could have been like a really cool thing, you know, to be... To set you up to believe that, okay, this is maybe this is not really Jason, but who else could it be? Like even more of that, you know? Yeah. Yep. But so. you don't actually see the mask until like the movie's almost over. So it, it doesn't really over, work. Yeah. yeah. Then we have a nice little uh, reference to all that jazz here, because that's what you expect from your Friday the 13th movies, uh, where, where Lana just opens up her shirt and says it's showtime lana and billy i kind of love them yeah <laughs> and and you know he's 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 making it snow up in his nose yeah. um and he's picking her up from work they're gonna go she's gonna go party party <laughs> they're gonna party very unsanitary to have a cat in a diner it is it is i i also have to say at least roy is kind of consistent you know he 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 reuses the same tools you know if they're two people next to each other you might as well just the axe is already (laughs) bloody might as well just use it for both and so um we get an axe in the head billy gets an axe in his bald spot just like target (laughs) practice right there that's true. <laughs> um, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then Lana, again, trying to get out of the car, but How? it's locked. How? How can you not get out I, from the uh, inside? And then she goes to the other side and acts in the stomach. Again, you see the axe go into his head, but you don't see it go into her stomach? <laughs> like, why is why that right. disparity? It's kind of weird. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Danny Steinman was concerned about being seen as misogynistic, which he was anyway. For Savage Streets, uh, sure. F- for Savage Streets and this movie, frankly, but um, Savage Streets that movie's that's a. If you think this movie's rough, yeah. uh, Savage Street is 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 a rough movie. I I watched that. That was one of the first movies I watched on a on an Elric Kane recommendation. Me too. And. I kept on, because my wife came home during the scene where Linda Blair's in the bathtub and it just keeps focusing in on her, on her tits. And I was just like, um, I just felt like dirty watching that movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that. There was a lot to feel dirty. There's a lot to feel dirty movie. about with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of those ones where it's like, um, yeah, I don't enjoy watching it, but there's it's, some stuff that there's, there's value to it. It's I a can, good movie. Yeah. It's just. It's just the one that I'm not going to enjoy. No. I, I'm not a rape revenge movie guy. I know is her sister gets raped and she revenges, but um, like the only rape revenge movie that I've watched multiple times ever is The Last House on the Left because I have so had to. Uh, otherwise, I just don't. I just don't gel with them. I just have a really tough time with them. Um, but well, I'm anyway, not going to get into that. Moving on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we we can talk about those another time, if we must. Um, but I love the scene ooh. with um, the mayor and the sheriff, though, just because it's another example of the actors. So random. Just it's so <laughs> random, and it's just the actors going at it, <laughs> going going yeah. for it with each other, you know, and just like having fun. And Jason the sheriff Voorhees is dead. <laughs> They're all southern. It's New Jersey. They're all southern. In this. <laughs> anyway. The sheriff just kind of leaning back. I know who it is. It's Jason Voorhees. The way he says that. Right. And 
And the, the whole thing was like, you know, he was cremated. Did you actually see his body? And like, no. There's ashes. This is him. This is him. <laughs> I know. Like, stuff is just like over the top, but in the best way for this movie, for the kind of movie that this is trying to be, this kind of stuff yeah. is perfect. It really works. You it's know? It's perfect. It's great. And it's maybe the reasons why people don't like it so much, but that's this is why I like this movie is stuff like this, you know? Exactly. I, I, I like it because of that and because of its humor and mm-hmm. because it's just... I mean, there was someone who said, you know, this may not have Jason in it, but this is like the most Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th right? movie. This is what people think of when they think of Friday the 13th. They think of sleazy, lots of kills, guy in a hockey mask, killing a bunch of cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. That is this movie. That's what this movie is doing, <laughs> okay. right? It's like, literally, what are you complaining about? <laughs> and it's doing the same kind of thing that Psycho 3 is doing, where it's having yeah. fun with it. It's not having fun with itself like uh, like Friday 6, like literally right, poking right. fun at itself. It's just, it's having fun with like what it is. Like it knows it, it knows yeah. what it is. And it, it knows what it, the kind of fun it's having. It's not like being like meta funny. Yeah. It's just being yeah. like, hey, you just want to see like tits and blood. So here you go. You know, we're gonna and, and we're gonna have fun with the rest of it along the way too. And everybody knows what movie they're in except for John Shepard. <laughs> who even he he has quite a scene, that fight scene. Uh, well, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. I like his that first fight scene's amazing. I like his first scene with Reggie. That was kind of one of my favorite parts when Reggie scares him with yeah. the spider and then he scares and him he, and yeah. he turns around and scares yeah. Reggie with the mask and then he kinda gives that little little hint of a smile. I thought that was I like that scene yeah. with him. Yeah. Okay, then we come to both of our favorite kills. Woo! <laughs> okay, now, Ethel, they hire that guy to clean out their chicken coop. Uh-huh. Are they setting him up as another That's red herring? That's what I'm herring? saying. He's, he's, they're setting up all these red herrings. <laughs> yeah. They get killed they're, right they're away. Spying, he's, he has exactly one scene in this movie, uh-huh. and, then, and then he's watching... Um, <laughs> Debbie Sue Voorhees mm-hmm. and uh, no if that's her name right yeah and no yeah. relation uh, so Tina and Eddie getting it on uh-huh. and he gets stabbed in the stomach and dispatched and they they are laying in the afterglow and uh and he gets well, up she is to and yeah, yeah or yeah Eddie goes yeah. off yeah he 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 goes off to take a bath in the lake I don't know close and Ew. yeah yeah he says he wants to go wash up but like you don't want to do it in that lake i don't think buddy gross i <laughs> you love like tina's branch, death i love the branch trimmer kill i think it, I, mean, I know it's not graphic but where where you are the camera you are in her perspective mm-hmm. and those come down at you and and then they just show him sort of sort of forcing the handles together yeah. <laughs> before they snap. I think that is so good. I think it's I find that brilliant. And um and then you know they show her laying on her side. And plus she's uh, when I was uh, you know thirteen years old watching this movie she's for naked. the first time. Yeah. I I had I had feelings. <laughs> I had feelings about her endowments, uh, which are quite ample. So I'll no, I'll, I'll own up to that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, now he comes back, but and, then and, yeah, boy, you don't he, see. He's that. in good shape. I'm I'm hoping to go for. I'm I'm hoping to get there. That's that's my that's the look I'm going for. There we go. Okay, <laughs> Eddie. That's my Hollywood look. We were right. talking about our Hollywood looks, and that's the Hollywood look I should be going <laughs> right. for. 
Yeah, yeah. like trim and but not too yeah. buff. I like it. He's got he's got some, he's got some abs, yeah. but he's natural. You know, that's a good look to go for. But then this is another one where it's like the uh, it's a pair of victims, pretty yeah. much. Where it's, you it's see so many couples, you see one, so many couples, and then you but you see one but not the other. You see the aftermath yeah. of what happens to Tina, but you uh, don't actually, her, yeah, but you don't actually see the shears like going into her eyes, which I remember it is interesting. This, this is Go just ahead. a scene that I, I remember really specifically watching, like, in the basement of our house, like, with my sister. And, like, this reveal, I just remember us both being like, oh, it was in her eyes. Uh, you know, I just remember being, yeah. like, yeah. kind of grossed out by it's that. It's a great reveal. Because you, because you don't actually see yeah. where the shears go. It could have been, like, in her chest yeah. or something like chest that. Or, yeah. But it was, like, uh, seeing true. it, bo- both eye kills in this scene. I love that. It is interesting that you bring this up, though. Because everyone in, does accuse these movies of being so misogynist, but who has the most graphic kills is the guys the in this movie. Mm-hmm. The dudes are the ones that you actually see get shredded, whereas the women are it's off screen more often mm-hmm. than not. That's an interesting fact. Even though yeah. they get naked, <laughs> you still don't see the kills. We need more. We need more hanging, hanging dong. That's in this, what I'm saying in these movies. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that would have given them the X rating. You can show tits, but you can't show 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 <sighs> dong. Silly. Sorry. I know something about the MPAA. They're so weird. They're I don't so understand weird. them at all. Anyway, um, but moving on. Okay, so then uh, my favorite the, kill, the kill of the whole series, for some reason, with has... also one of the most awkward continuity errors in any of these movies, too. It has a really weird continuity error. Okay, he's twisting the strap one direction, then it cuts, and he's twisting it the other way. I never, I guess, I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this Good. is such an inventive, like different kill than i think anything else really in the series where he just it's like he's he sees tina's body gets all shocked and he like ends up with his back against a tree and then like this leather strap goes around his eyes and then uh there's like some kind of rings you know behind it that he yeah that roy puts a stick through and like twists the strap so that it's like tightening around his head and is like pushing into his eyes you, you actually get a shot of that so yeah it yeah. is more graphic than than tina's yeah. death because you actually see yeah. like it really deeply embedded in his eyes i don't know why this this kill is just like super cool to me and it's another one of those where you can just be like oh that would just be a really bad way to go like you can sort of feel that in a way but mm. I don't know. I love how he twists it until the strap breaks. Yeah. It's just <laughs> fantastic. It's kind of brutal. I don't know. I love this kill so much. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. And it's one of the, I know it's my favorite kill, but it and it's not a Jason kill, but I don't care. No. It's pretty cool. My um I don't know what my favorite kill in the whole series is. I'd have to think about that. But my favorite scene <laughs> I don't know oh. if it's my favorite scene in the whole series, but it's definitely my favorite scene in this movie. Demon. Is is Demon. Demon. I love this whole thing. Because, I mean, again, he's just randomly, he and Nita, is it's Nita or Nina? I can't Anita. remember. Anita. Okay. Sh- they're both just like introduced for this one scene. <laughs> and, you know, it's Reggie's well, they brother. Kinda get, they kind of get two scenes. Y- they kind of get two scenes. <laughs> yeah, but it's Reggie's brother and uh, girlfriend. And so they're it's like, hey, little brother, um, have you had any dinner? Here, have an enchilada. <laughs> um, but she's 
it's like it's like who where did you get looks at his ring where'd you get that i was like when you've been around the world as much as i have you you collect things i love this moment looks over where did you get that? <laughs> it cuts to Anita. <laughs> Anita, it's like that's my girlfriend. Anita, <laughs> it's like, and she's oh, this a- is my girlfriend. <laughs> this is Pam. And yeah. Anita is adorable, and she's just like, "What's she's happening, great. little brother?" I love yeah, her. I love her. And I love the yeah, I do love the relationship between Reggie and Pam. They're they're pretty cute oh, it's together. So cute, it's so cute. Yeah. Then I love that Demon just offers everyone food. Like every kind of food that like he's got, like in the back scene, of his like, van. Like, I got want some want some pizza, sausage and cheese. You know, I mean, it's it's like enchilada, taco, egg roll. <laughs> Love that part. So funny. But during during that scene, the Tommy's along, and there's this like kung fu fight between Junior, Junior, and Tommy. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. That is one of the that is the one scene in the movie where it's like I'm so glad that uh Tommy is taking this so seriously. Right. Because he is convinced that his fight fight moves are like brilliant, I'm sure. Oh. And it's there's, it's so hilarious because there's another one earlier, uh, another kind of see little moment that I I kind of like is when Violet uh, sets too many places at the breakfast table. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like yeah. I don't think Joey and Vic are gonna be here, <laughs> but then like uh, Eddie shows up. Uh, wearing one of Tommy's masks and Tommy like fucking body slams him <laughs> like a right. like a wrestling move like right there. So awesome. Uh, it was kind of fun too. Uh, he's I don't know. Like, did he take fight lessons? Um, <laughs> where he's know. been? I don't know. <laughs> he's a pretty damn good just, fighter in this movie. <laughs> he is. Well, I love, I love you know like the part where they both fall down and uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 the it's the most ridiculous fight. It is, and it's it's hilarious. He's just in front of the trailer park sign. Uh-huh. So there's like this neon glow, the, more sleaze. You he know, it's gets like, like transfixed okay, by Danny, the, the sign somehow. Right, right. Well, Danny Steinman, I had a have a feeling uh, worked a lot with neon uh, in his former life he uh was known for his work in the adult industry yes. before this let's that say was that. His first... in the 80s yeah, in the 70s movie. and 80s the porn. yeah yeah and so uh he he probably premiered his film uh amongst a lot of neon hey it looks great in this yeah i think it's fantastic but my favorite scene is my favorite i i love this scene the part where it's like oh, damn enchiladas <laughs> And and he and he runs to the he calls it the shit box. <laughs> this shit box is nasty. I love uh, well, I love yeah. how it says. Do I love not how write it says, on the walls. Do not write on walls. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's like this corrugated metal <laughs> outhouse. It's and of so course, gross. those writing all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Some of them are really funny. Uh, Kilroy was here. Yeah, uh, I caught that. That's a, the only one I remember. A, Sticks reference, and then there's like a strangely romantic scene while he's in the outhouse. So weird. Well, she's while they're singing singing to each other while he's shitting. I love that. Well, and the thing is, I think I think demon. Okay, so he opens the window, and again, Anita is killed off screen. You see her throat Mm. slashed there, and demon 
gets that spike. And that's a pretty good kill. Yeah. That's a pretty good kill. Because, I mean, he, he's like trying to get away from the spike that's coming through the walls. He gets walls him in the leg at one point a little bit. He gets him in the leg. It's so nasty. And then he um, gets it right through the right through the chest. And bye-bye, demon. All Which the best is sad characters. Because Again, yeah. Beca- you know, there was this meme that was going around for a while, you know, the killer in a in a horror movie and then it's a, the the actual villain the enchiladas and so f- <laughs> for this one it was the killer and it showed roy and then it showed the actual villain was a plate of enchiladas <laughs> uh, so but i mean some of those were like were like really smart you know the killer freddy krueger the the actual villain was you know marge thompson uh that kind of thing some of those were really funny but this was my favorite was the, the, enchil- yeah. the enchiladas were the real villain <laughs> Oh yeah, um, um, and then Ethel and Junior. Okay, this Ethel is the, the most annoying. I like this one. The most annoying part of the movie, though, is when he's just like riding on around the on the motorcycle, riding in circles around the house, being like, "They hurt me, Mama!" And just screaming and yelling. I was like, "Oh my god, shut up!" <laughs> I I gotta say, I love it though when that meat cleaver flies out in front yeah. of his, and his head falls off. I mean, that is that's, nice. that's great stuff. Um, and again, his death is graphic. Hers you don't see Ethel's death. That's true. So, yeah, all those people saying this movie is misogynistic, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not paying attention. I can't even really tell, like, how she is killed exactly because you don't even really see it. She gets a meat cleaver she in her face. in somewhere, and then, yeah, and then her face goes into... She's yeah. making the best goddamn stew in the world. Best goddamn stew in the world. Yeah. Now, the... <laughs> The the only real kills that are that swap it as far as who is most graphic is the Jake and Robin thing, and they are watching a place in the sun. They are you know, <laughs> well known as uh, Elric Kane's favorite movie. Uh, so there you go. But he gets a meat cleaver in the face, but you don't see it. Mm. You see the aftermath. You see his body in the bed. In her bed, yeah. And yeah, and and she you actually don't see her death either because the, again, it's off screen where the machete goes up through the bed, Kevin Bacon style, mm-hmm. but you don't see it pop out of yeah. her. It just she just pulls it out and it's bloody. Um which wouldn't the mattress wipe it off? I that's just a question. <laughs> Would the mattress wipe off the blood? <laughs> Maybe not all of it. I I was just it's just one of those things that I've always wondered. I hadn't even thought of that. And that's when I when I watch good. when I watch horror movies, you know, where they stab someone like that and then, <laughs> then the instrument always comes out bloody. It was like okay, but wouldn't the surroundings sort of wipe the blood off? That's true. I don't know. I, I will never find out because I'm not actually gonna kill anybody to find out for sure. I mean I wasn't gonna say it, but <laughs> And if I if I did it would be purely for science. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you throw that in there. <laughs> Get yourself off the hook. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like the scene between Robin and, and Jake, though, when they're watching the movie. Yeah. That's another one yeah. where, like, we're going to try, I guess, to give something to these characters, even though we don't really care yeah. when no. <laughs> when Jake, like, you know, says he's in love with Robin and she laughs at him. Oh, damn. Yeah. What I was thinking of when I was rewatching this too is that I, I had almost I you almost forget when you watch this again because this is just 
all these people are really just fodder. It's like, I almost, I I, kind of didn't really care that we didn't get to know much about these kids. Even though you would, even in another movie, like this might've been a big thing. Like we would have known like why they were all there. When with some of them, like you, you can't really tell if they were just like you know juvenile delinquents or there Whatever. was there was really something s- as serious as what happened to Tommy, you know, going on with any of them. No idea, no clue, don't care. Actually, no clue. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Don't really care. You still like most of them, you know. Like there's enough. I think uh, with there's enough difference and there are all their different personalities where you you, you like them uh you definitely like violet because she's awesome uh yeah. how, how do you not like the the black tips of her hair and yeah. her dancing of course is like the most iconic thing from well, this movie well the uh, another horror connection here the actress that plays violet tiffany helm she is the daughter of Kristen's mom uh, from Nightmare on Elm Streets Part Three and Four, so you know, cool on delay, and so there, there's that connection. But that. hey, you gotta, you gotta love those moves. I know, I, I can't do there's, that. It's a, it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie, and just a bonus if you can have a great dance sequence. I mean, it's hard to top, <laughs> and I don't think she does. I don't think she tops it, but I mean, she she does her darn best. I'm trying to do it. I can't. But Chris, Crispin Glover in in part four. I mean, I mean that's that's the ultimate dance sequence in any movie, as far as I'm so. concerned. I mean, Dirty Dancing. I mean, you tried, but seriously, Crispin, professional dancer I, like Patrick Swayze has nothing on Crispin Glover. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's they they tried. I mean, I I know uh, Busby Berkeley. They have some great Gene Kelly. I mean, come on. Sheesh. I love how Sorry. long they let this play out too. They let her like kind of just show off. They for a let little her go bit, for it, which I which I kind of love again because it's, we're it's not beautiful. taking ourselves seriously. We're having no. fun with what we're doing, no. and hey, we have an actress that you know. Maybe it was one of those things where it was like we have an actress that can do this kind of stuff, you know, and make it look that, cool. So we're just gonna let her do it and make a scene out of it. This is the robot on a level you simply have never seen. I think so. Yeah, it's it's really quite something. Now I do think why. Watching this movie in close proximity to Psycho 3 uh, made me realize something, though. Okay. Violet apparently plays the banjo. There is a banjo case in her room. Mm-hmm. There could have been a watch the banjo moment <laughs> where she gets bludgeoned <laughs> to death with a banjo. I, I think missed opportunity. Uh, Jason or sure. Roy. I'm sorry, Roy. <laughs> You got a little pedestrian in this one. Just another machete in the stomach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Which, again, you don't really see it a whole lot. No, it's you see it more as, than you see some of the others. Yeah, but, it's not, but not as much, graphic. Yeah. Poor Violet. And, Everyone's and then, favorite. Yeah, I know. She didn't deserve that. <laughs> no. Well, and, and then we get Jason's first appearance when he smashes through the door. A lot like he does in part four. Mm-hmm. Which, where did Roy get the Jason superhuman strength? Who knows? Uh, revenge <coughs> is driving Maybe him. his his rage. His rage. His rage is at a level Duh. where he's, yeah. <laughs> so this is where we see a lot of the funhouse kills. That's what I call them. You know, like when, when the final girl 
fall runs into a bunch of corpses. Okay, so oh, it happens Reggie. in Friday the Thirteenth. It happens. Well, yeah, in both <laughs> of them, right? Because because we see Reggie the paramedic with his throat slashed. Yeah. Well, Reggie finds the the bodies in no, Tommy's Pam- room. Oh, she finds she finds the bed. He finds them piled up in the bedroom. That's right. But I'm talking about the ones that are like around. Oh, the random like bodies that are around. Yeah. 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 So Pam finds the 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 paramedic with his throat slashed. That's when Reggie uh, screams finds- like a girl. <laughs> Which is the greatest scream in the history of movies, as we all know. See, this movie just has so many things going for it. I mean, Fay Ray, you tried, but <laughs> but you know Reggie, Reggie, that's hard to beat. That's that hard to beat. Um, that is so, a, that is a champ scream right there. Yeah, um, and you see uh, uh, Matthew Matt. with a yeah. with a tent spike through his head, or something, or railroad spike. I don't know I what that is. Tell. Yeah. And Gramps, oh Tent my god. Spike would make more fun. I know Gramps. What the I felt hell? bad about Gramps. What did he do? Nothing. What did he do? Really? What did any of these I mean, come do? on. Yeah, nothing. Ugh. Then we have a lot of people survive this movie, now that I think of it. You've got you've got a final girl, a final kid, mm-hmm. and a final boy. Um, That's true. Yeah. But you know, hey, I'm good with it. Uh I didn't want to see Reggie go. No. That would have been the worst. All the things that this movie does does not kill the yeah. kid. <laughs> that's right that's true yeah. that's true reggie you know breaks into the shed just slams through that wall driving a tractor i mean that's some and roy how did he know again, that he was attacking um, pam at that spot at that moment it's a movie who cares who cares because i just like reggie driving a tractor in the rain hitting roy in the stomach he f- goes down for about 10 seconds. I mean, mm-hmm. because as one does, you know. Because um, rage and, and revenge, superhuman strength. Because rage. Because rage, yes. Uh, and they go into the barn. Pam and Reggie in the barn. Now, this chainsaw that she gets is amazing. Pam, badass. Pam. Just. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing. This chainsaw is magic because... It's silent, and Roy is going towards the door, and he opens the door. Then all of a sudden, the chainsaw is on, <laughs> and it's in his face. That she thing can... starts and idles silently. Did not hear it's, a it's rev or anything. It just nothing, comes on. Nothing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Magic chainsaws. I mean, come on. This is like, you know, I'm, I'm kidding all around, of course. It's just fun. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense, but come on. And you know, again, fighting I mean, him. That, yeah. Then, of course, the chainsaw dies and she tries to start it. It's making all this noise while she's trying to start it. <laughs> Why well, didn't do that before? Suspense movie. Whatever. Yeah, I know. Surprise. I know. Attack. Whatever. Uh, but and again, then, Pam just being, again, like, I, I love her in these, these final scenes. Like, yeah. She's not the she's final great. girl that's going to, like, you know. Cry in the corner and not do anything. No, she comes at him with a freaking chainsaw. So you know that she comes she's, out with a chainsaw. They're both pretty good at fighting him in this last moment. I love this. To- Tommy appears behind Roy in the scene. Now, if Reggie had just kept his fucking mouth shut, All right. <laughs> Tommy could have come up behind Roy and like beamed him or something. And instead, we got Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> and so they have this face off, Jason. Um, yeah, but Tommy anyway. has to have his little like 
I don't know. He has to have his catharsis. It's like a little PTSD whatever. moment, like that he's yeah. overcoming something here. Yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, he gets yeah. sliced, and they all three of them end up in like the loft area. Again, both of them just being uh, badasses. Reggie, like, yeah. standing up to, like, literally, like, standing up to the yeah. guy coming at him. Damn. It's nice stuff. You know? It's nice stuff. And then, and then, um, I feel like we're charging towards the ending here. I don't kind care. of out of necessity. I hope you don't mind. Okay. Then, of course, they knock Roy off, but we don't see a cut to anything. So, you know, we don't, don't see the body yeah. go anywhere. So, <laughs> oh, first of all, yeah. So naturally, oh, it's all okay they're going to walk towards the edge because everything's okay. <laughs> what could possibly happen? Because this is not cliched at all. No. And Roy jumps up <laughs> and and then, then you know, we kick him off onto that spiked, I don't even know what that uh, is. Uh, some kind of Someone could tell equipment, I don't know. Farm equipment. Random farm equipment that's been left out just in the right spot. And... He falls on there and you go, oh, my God, it's Roy. And the first time you watch this, you go, who's Roy? <laughs> I, I don't under who is this guy? What? You know what I mean? <laughs> like the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, my gosh, it was who? Right. <laughs> I, 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 Wait, I, like, I don't you, recognize him. Yeah, because when you go back and watch, they do give a lot of FaceTime to Roy or like just enough to like hopefully you would remember but yeah. like maybe on i mean you're because you're not expecting it to not again you're not expecting it to not be jason so you're not even thinking of anybody else so yeah that's the that part's a little confusing because they do he, so he, normally- even, he even dresses up like jason he puts like a little mask it's like a, so he's bald <laughs> yeah um and when you see him like in his well when he's dead on the spikes, it's kind of ripped off to where you can see his face. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, and, and they give sort of the post-climax sequence like they do in Psycho where the someone explains everything. Right. And normally I'm not into that, but here it's like it's total necessity because it just doesn't make any right. sense at all without an explanation. And it's so we funny, We found this though, picture in his is... wallet. Joey was his son. His son. What? And it's like... <laughs> That paramedic guy, yeah, <laughs> was what? <laughs> and then, okay, the 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 newspaper clippings of Jason are so funny. Who took that damn picture of Jason that they printed in the paper? Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's like him alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Um, and anyway, I it's not an artist's rendition or anything. Uh, anyway, and then we have our it's little, a little dream weird that fake out yeah, it's and... a little weird that Tommy is he's sort of involved in like quote unquote Jason's yeah. death, but not a whole lot. Like, yeah, he's, there's a lot of stuff they they try to at least bring up, you know, in this yeah. movie of what's going on with him, but they don't really do anything with it until this last scene. One of the things that's so fun, yeah, it's like they totally abandoned that whole yeah. idea of of him, of Tommy being the new Jason, right? And or like, like having yeah, the same gonna, thing as yeah, as any um, psychological background. Yeah, what's her fucking name in Halloween Four? Jamie. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I actually, this is what I wrote down for the ending sequence, okay? It's like, oh my goodness, will Tommy be the new Jason? Will Jamie be the new Michael? Will that chicken Freddy's dead be the new Freddy? And the answer is, of course, no. no. (laughs) In all those cases, cases, no, (laughs) that's not going to happen because in 
the next movie, we will completely go in a different right. direction <laughs> and decide that, nah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I was definitely like, oh, this is the Halloween 4 ending. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's totally nice. the Halloween 4 ending. And, you know. And hey, it kind of it starts off fun. with a little fake out again where uh-huh. Tommy's uh, lying in his hospital bed and uh, Pam goes to see him. Like, how much of that was his dream, by the way? Anyway, I like, don't that's not really. I don't know. Movie, it's a movie again. Uh, it's a movie where he's lying in in the bed, and Pam comes up to him, and he like pulls out a machete and stabs her, and wakes up. Yeah, and that was dream. And but he still has yeah. like this, it, like as I said, they they're trying to do something with this character here, like where he has this the vision, like he's been seeing Jason and these visions, like all throughout the movie, in different places. But in this last time, he sees him in the hospital, but he's able to make him disappear. You know, so yeah. But then, I mean, they completely turn that around when he goes into the drawer and he's yeah. taken Roy's. He's got Jason the mask, mask. And he's got. <laughs> And they show him in the hospital gown yeah. in the mask, holding a knife, and cut. zoom in on his eye and cut to black. Okay. The end. <laughs> and then, <laughs> okay, um, I gotta say, as as we've and we're kind of making fun of this movie, but it's sort I'm of not. I love this the, movie. <laughs> it's part. No, I'm saying it's part of the fun of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> is that you can kind of poke holes in it and have. A, a laugh because yes it is a little goofy mm-hmm. I, i'll i'm all for that though i think this is fun i think this is one of the most fun in the entire series it is. um it's not my favorite but it's the one that has gone up in my estimation by far the farthest oh yeah definitely so um in fact Real quick, we're gonna give ourselves. <laughs> yes, we we're gonna Let's we're do gonna it. do something. We're gonna we're gonna do a full Friday the Thirteenth franchise ranking right now. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay, I just did it by numbers, so I'm not gonna say the whole okay. title. <laughs> I just did like the number of it, going from favorite to least favorite. My ranking. Oh, I was gonna do it the other way around. I was gonna do it least favorite to favorite. Oh, okay. I'll do it that way then too. So again, rewind, reverse. From least favorite to favorite, my ranking is the remake, which I don't hate, but it's it was just not that really that memorable to me. Uh, I don't think it's a bad movie or anything, but I was just kind of after I watched it, I was just kind of like, nah, and I don't have as much fun with it yep. as the other ones. Uh, so then it goes eight, three, nine, one, eleven, which is Freddy versus Jason, four. And then for my top five, I know. Wow. <laughs> my personal top five. Don't come at me. This is my personal top I'm not, five. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not coming at you. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> is 10, 5, 2, 7, 6. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that Thank ranking, you. to be honest. I mean, for you to put one of them where you put it, it's like, what? Oh man, four! Hey, you know you yeah. and Billy Ray Bruton. I I gotta no, say, do not. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't compare you to him. I know. Do not. Um, he put four. He put four like at the bottom of his list. So. I mean, it's just the same thing though. Whereas, like, yeah, it's the same thing as like Dream Warriors too, where like everybody connected to it in some way. I just never did, and I never did really yep. with four. It was like there was other ones I always liked more. So yeah, that's just me. Sorry. Uh, no, that's that's awesome. Love what you that's love. Awesome. 
Exactly. Okay, so my ranking is quite a bit different than yours. It used to be okay. more similar, I think. But uh. but yeah, looking at this, is like my ranking is pretty different from that. Okay. Except for uh, a few in there. And I got to say, I have at least something I enjoy in every single one of oh, these. Oh, totally. Yeah. This is a franchise where I've I've seen them a lot more, and it's one where I can honestly grab any one of them and have fun with them, you know? Yeah. Even yeah. No matter how yeah. I rank them. Exactly. So my number 12 is Jason Takes a Cruise Ship. Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, but I got to say, there's some really cool kills in that, and Kane Hodder's fantastic in it. Uh, then he punch off someone's head in that one? He punches someone's head off yeah. with one not, punch, and that's a that? great moment. Yeah. Then Jason goes to hell. Then Freddy versus Jason, the Friday 13th, 2009, uh, which again, it's sort of one of those things where I like things about it. I like the kills. I think the characters are cardboard. I can't stand them in that movie. Uh, Then Jason X, then part seven, the new blood. Then I know. (laughs) Then part three, which has grown a lot for me. I used to not like three as much. That one has gone up a lot for me. Then Friday the 13th, 1980, which has gone down <laughs> quite yeah. a bit for me. me I, I uh, The more I watch that, the more I think, wow, Sean S. Cunningham is not a good director. <laughs> then uh, Friday the 13th, part five, A New Beginning. Then my top three are... And this has gone down actually a little bit. These of Friday the 13th, the final chapter is my number three now. It used okay. to be my number one. Then part two. And we have the same number one with part six. Yeah. Okay. Hey, at least our top four are kind of similar. <laughs> there you are. Six, they are, two, five. So. Yeah, they're, they're up there. They're just slightly different order. Like, I think our biggest issue before was uh, we tend to flip where seven and seven four and four, yeah. It. Yeah, those like those are our biggest. More. Sorry, my problem. I, I think seven again. It's it's like I like aspects of it, mm. uh, but I I don't know. I used it used to be one of my favorites. It was one of the first that I saw, and it was a big thing for me. But it just kind of changed place a little bit. But anyway, we got to kind of wrap this up because we do. Uh, yeah, we both got things to do, which is weird. So we're gonna do a quick recommendation of. Other much maligned sequels in horror. And yeah. What do you What do you got? I'm still arguing with myself. You haven't picked yet. Ah, I've on. I think I've picked. It, it's going to come out of my mouth. It, go ahead. <laughs> Something's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> oh my god! This has been such a goofy episode. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the one I th- the first one that came to my mind for some reason, even though I've only seen it once and it was a while ago, so I, I don't even know if I agree with myself, but I'm just going to go with it because I remember really liking it uh, from 1981. I really liked Omen 3, The Final Conflict. I mean, it's Damien as an adult. It's Sam Neill. Uh, Sam, you know, Sam Neill. Like just, I think maybe it's mostly him that I kind of liked about mm-hmm. it. Like he's just, he's killing it in that movie that I, I remember. Yeah. But I, I, I just remember really, really liking it. And like, it, it's another one of those things where it's like, you feel like with some of these series that like, once they get into the later sequels that it can kind of go off the rails and be weird and silly and goofy. But I don't remember it 
that being the case with this one. And yeah, I haven't seen that one in so long, I couldn't tell you. I haven't, but I could but. be talking out of my ass because I don't really remember it that well. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. I've got the Scream Factory box set behind me, so I'll, uh, I'll give those <laughs> a watch again. Okay, it was between two part twos for me. It was either do going it, to it, be it, the hills, the hill, ah! the hills have eyes part two, or the one I'm actually gonna pick. Yes, I, I know the hills have eyes part two is terrible. I know it is, but. It's kind of a fun, stupid slasher. Unless you're going to pick that one. No, I <laughs> am right. picking the movie that has been called garbage more often oh. <laughs> than I've seen than any other movie because it's garbage day. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. That movie is is nuts, okay? Yes, like 40% of it is just clips from the first movie i get it <laughs> but the thing is it cuts all the worst things about the original out and just leaves the best best bits that are kind of make it likable because it's a really mean-spirited movie the second one is not that it's kind of just nuts because you <laughs> and, and where it ends up going is just like what? And then they totally don't follow through on that in part three. But whatever. I gotta say, you know, there's just it's it's this crazy over the top performance. It's just crazy. And you know, I mean, the, the the killing spree, the garbage day thing, all that stuff. I don't know. I it's actually I know this is blasphemy, but it's actually the the Silent Night deadly night movie that i like the best <laughs> i like it better than the first one um i just find it to be so over the top and bonkers and funny that i i have a good time with it i still have not seen garbage day yet <laughs> i gotta yeah. i gotta fix that this year for christmas my, yeah. Christ, my christmas viewings so as long as you haven't seen the first one recently you're no. probably good okay yeah i mean <laughs> Don't watch them back to back. It doesn't work. Uh, but if you watch them like a far apart from each other, you're okay. Okay. Yeah. And then Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, the toy maker is actually good. I've so, heard that. So I yeah. do want to check that one out. I bought that Blu-ray set. It's on the way. So of <laughs> uh, Silent Night, Deadly yeah. Night 3 through, three, three, four three through and five. 5. Yeah. Three, I got to say 4 and 5 are pretty good <laughs> i like <laughs> both four and five four is not much of a christmas movie but it's it's the, a big bug movie and you know hey i like that well but speaking of christmas movies uh what we've got coming up for our next episode is more horror yay <laughs> more horror but this time uh, christmas this time it's christmasy horror which we love yeah so yes. uh, I think I settled on, I kind of changed what my initial pick was. I think I've settled on the one I'm actually going to go with. So if not, okay. I might just have to cut out this whole part. I don't know. Why don't you say yours first? Well, I am picking the greatest Christmas horror movie ever made, period. And you know what? According to John Waters, this is the best Christmas movie, period. <laughs> That's right. From 1980, uh, Christmas Evil, which is, <laughs> speaking of crazy Christmas movies, this is a good movie. No, but it's so good. I really like yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie a lot. I don't like it as much as It's a Wonderful Life, but I do <laughs> like this movie a lot. It's a great movie. You definitely- It's my favorite Christmas horror film. Yeah, you definitely inspired me to check it out. And when I watched it, I was like, okay, 
this one's like really kind of doing something different and i really like it and yeah, I'm, totally. I'm very excited to to talk more because there's a yeah. lot to get into with that one yeah a lot of fun yeah. stuff okay i think the one i'm gonna go with is one a little bit more modern uh, a film that i've always really liked and brian has never seen so i'm excited to introduce something to you uh, i'm gonna go with from 2007 p2 okay which is kind of a horror uh thriller thing um Alexander Aja was one of the producers. He's not, not a director, I think. Um, okay. Frank Kalf. I know that I've name. I've heard of it. I just don't know it. I know that name. Yeah. Frank Kalfin. Oh, didn't he do the Maniac remake? Yeah. Oh, he did yeah, Maniac Yeah, he remake? did the Maniac okay. remake. But um, it stars uh, Rachel Nichols and Wes Bentley, kind of a cat and mouse thing on christmas eve taking place in an underground parking garage what's bentley's eyebrows and wearing a santa outfit it's a good time i think i hope you like it i always like <laughs> eyebrows i always i always like good eyebrow acting uh-huh. i appreciate it yeah i i hope you dig it it's a it's a fun one that i i really enjoy awesome awesome I look forward to seeing it and i'm still going to watch your original choice since i found it at the library i'll give it a watch Okay, so for the socials, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michelle N. Agen. And you can find me at BrianWaves42. And the show is at Movie Life Pod. Come follow us there. We do giveaways occasionally. We've just done a couple uh, this week. Uh, I think we've got, I've got a couple more like random movies that we can give away digital codes for. Um, but also we just like talking about movies with the people that listen and, you know, talking about the episodes that's always great to hear from people that enjoy the show so thank you very much to everybody who follows and interacts with us there because it's a lot of fun absolutely okay so we're heading into the holiday season here so i hope your things are going well for everyone and you're enjoying this time of the year and we will do what we will see you all next time and watch the guitar (laughs) Bye. You didn't say bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.